0: Hey guys, uh, Aiden here. Uh, long time no speak. Coming in before the credits, uh, which as you know, uh, is normally a sign that I'm about to talk about someone uh, famous who's died. This is our first Batman for a while, uh, or Batman-themed episode, I should say, for a while. Uh, so I'm sure you can gather where this is going uh, if you are a Bat-fan, as me and Mark are. Uh, yes, it's time to acknowledge the passing uh, last November of uh, the great voice actor, Kevin Conroy, who, uh, you know, famously voiced Batman in Batman the Animated Series, uh, Batman Beyond, the Arkham games, and many, many other uh, DC animated uh, projects. Um, And, you know, for many of us uh, post-millennial types uh, is kind of the default uh, voice of Batman, the default Batman. You know, me and Mark have talked about, uh, Conroy on, on the previous, uh, Aiden and Mark versus Batman and kind of mentioned him as like, um, you know, the unassailable, uh, indelible kind of, uh, Batman performance in our minds, you know, and I think it's fair to say, like, um, there's a certain generation of, uh, Batman fans to whom, uh, Kevin Conroy's voice work is what they hear in their head when they read Batman comics, and, um yeah bearing that in mind uh we wanted to dedicate this episode and i suppose the subsequent two uh, nolan batman episodes to um to kevin conroy and um, to just kind of acknowledge him not only as the uh the great kind of actor uh, that he was and the great kind of impact that he had on the character of batman but also uh just to kind of talk about him a little bit as as a person like because by all accounts um you know he was an incredible guy uh he was a, a you know, a, a gay man at the time when that was very much not, um, not a boon to your career if you are a Hollywood actor, and uh, you know he's talked about his his struggles there, um, you know mostly relating to uh, not being able to get certain roles uh, due to um, you know casting agents finding out he was homosexual, um, and he's uh, he actually wrote a um, a kind of one-off comic book. Uh, called Finding Batman uh, about his kind of um, uh, you know it's kind of about that that very thing you know about uh, being a gay man at that time and also his kind of connection to the character of Batman I suppose. Um, the other thing that kind of I always think of when I think of uh, Kevin Conroy there's a story that he has uh, told on a few different um, you know podcasts or in interview formats. Um, you know he lived in New York for most of his life and uh, was present when the uh, 9-11 attacks went down. And uh, he talks about being amongst the kind of the first responders because he, he volunteered as many people did on the nine twelve to uh, to help out. Um, and he talks about, you know, he, he ended up uh, basically being part of the um, the kind of kitchen crew that were feeding the first responders. Uh, and He tells a story about how, um, you know, he got talking to one of the guys that he was working with and. You know they were kind of saying, "Oh, what, what's your day job?" The other guy was like an architect or something, and um, you know uh, Kevin Conroy said, uh, "I'm an actor," and the other guy went, "No way!" You know I thought I recognized your name, you're Batman, and you know <laughs> Kevin kind of went, "Oh well, yeah, you know," and the the, the other guy's like, "No, I'm gonna yeah, you know, I'm gonna tell the guys this because uh, you know it's gonna it's, it's gonna they're gonna be amazed," and uh, you know he went out and he said, "Oh, you'll never guess who's been cooking your food!" Uh, this this you know, the last few days, it's Batman. And, you know, typical New York response, people going, bullshit, <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, you know, they said, I'll make, make him prove it. And so, uh, you know, Kevin delivered his uh, famous speech from the animated series, the uh, I Am Vengeance, I Am The Night speech, um, you know, which convinced the the people there that he was indeed none other than Batman, and uh, you know, as he tells the story, people kind of uh, flooded into the kitchen, making him do different bits of dialogue, talking about the animated series and saying, you know, oh, I've watched this with my kids, or oh, I remember that episode and this episode, and he kind of talks about that that was, you know, an amazing experience for him because, uh, you know, this was the first time he'd heard like joy and laughter during this experience. You know, obviously in the mood very somber at that time, and um, there's something about that that just kind of I think, you know, for fans of uh, the character and, you know, just just as... try that again. And there's something about that story that kind of speaks to, you know, the power and the presence of Conroy's Batman, um, but also to the character of the man, you know? He, um, you know, he liked to bring joy to people. He liked to bring uh, some kind of comfort to people of what he could do. And, um, you know, I think that's that, that's lovely to think about, really. Um, yeah, so that's kind of our um, small tribute to uh, our Batman, Kevin Conroy. Um, you know, he'll be very greatly missed. And, uh, yeah, you know, what a guy. What a life, what a legend. I, I, I mean, look, I've got to try and condense a guy's life into five minutes. Do look up uh, his life story. Do look up his work. And, um, you know, you'll see, you know, you'll see all the love that was there for him and you'll see all the great things that he brought into the world. And, um, you know, what a guy, what a hero, you know. So, yeah, big shout out to Kevin Conroy. Okay, on with the show.
1: The drugs, was that good? Was that a good impression? Yeah, yeah, that was all right. Yeah, can I hear your Alfred? I know you want to do the entire episode in like impressions, <laughs> so I thought I'd lead in with that.
0: Uh, let me, I've not prepared, I oh, okay, kind of, he uh, okay. is into this. <laughs> <laughs> You've thrown me off.
1: Now. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> um, what's the thing he says in this movie? Oh, he goes, Um, why do we fall, Master Proof? <laughs> so we can learn? Again, I've also recently rewatched *The Gold Member*, which also stars Alfred Pennyworth, you know Austin Powers in *Gold Member*.
1: Wait, wait, wait! Got Michael Caine's in *Gold*, no?
0: No *Gold Member*.
1: Oh, *Gold Member*. I said *Gold*, I was like, I don't remember him being in that film.
0: Yeah, he played James Bond. <laughs> um, no, he was in uh, the Austin Powers movie.
1: He was. He was in *Gold Member*, which uh, where he goes. It's
0: like a baby's hand holding an
1: apple. If you so got an, like an issue. Is a
0: tissue <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's only one thing I can say, There's only two kinds of people I can't stand People who are intolerant of other
1: people's cultures And the Dutch <laughs> There's a lot of Dutch hating in that movie If I remember correctly <laughs> Yeah he does hate the Dutch in that Um Anyway,
0: that was um, some terrible impressions to start the podcast. Where are the this is Kino. I that's and quite show. good. I don't know about you. Where? That's quite good. Where are they? The um, sorry, can I, can I actually, because um, I know Abdul's going to be listening to this. Sadly couldn't participate tonight. No, he, he wanted to. Rest, so may I'm he rest in peace. What I know is, because <laughs> he died. <laughs> so in his honour, I'm going to do um, his favourite character in the movie and my favourite voice to do. It goes like this. Flash! I have kids to feed.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a fun one. But they don't
0: think. they don't like falafel. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest exchange in a Batman film. So, um, we should probably
1: debatable introduce.
0: No, no, it is, is, kind is of it,
1: canonically. Is it? Yeah. No, no, Batman Returns. Flas. Flas uh, no, no, We already established the best exchange in a Batman movie is, "Uh, boss, isn't that a little uh?" Pff, no, it's a lot. Uh, that's the best exchange. Yeah, that's that's movie. pretty good. That's pretty good. Also, The f- the
0: Flash gets the defeat That's number two. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> that's one of those lines in a movie that me and Avril become have become hyper focused on over the years, as you know, Mark.
1: Yeah, yeah. You guys um, do okay. tend to do that.
0: Um, as uh, as is the case with the line from G.I. Joe Redemption
1: With uh, Go Pie <laughs> Stop making that a thing um,
0: it, the, the Rock in that movie says Go Pie Does
1: he? I don't think he does
0: The subtitles claim what he says is Go Up High But what he actually says is Go Pie
1: Okay, in that instance I think I might believe you
0: um, Okay, so listen, this is Kino Inferno This is the long-awaited Batman episode. So, you may have noticed we were going to do an entire episode on the Nolan trilogy. And in fact, we attempted it. We did. But the fact is, that episode ended up being three hours long, and we didn't even get to Dark Knight Rises.
1: No, we didn't. It was a fucking mess. um, It was a shambles. It was a travesty. It was the worst thing we've ever recorded.
0: (laughs) And, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know that it's had stiff competition, because we have recorded some shit over the
1: years. And you guys have listened to it, so... So, what does that say about you? Yeah. Hmm? Touch some grass, some get a life, go on Bumble.
0: Touch some grass, go on Bumble, <laughs> <laughs> see who's on Bumble. <laughs> look, we don't... look. Friends don't expose friends um, <laughs> on, what, on what apps that's they may or may not be that's on. very telling of you, Barker, do. Um, I'm Barkaday. Look, look, friends do not expose friends. No,
1: they expose themselves.
0: App fiends. Well, yes, I know you like to get your willy out, tuck it
1: between your legs, and scream. Who do. doesn't? Who doesn't? Okay. <laughs> anyway, find me a single um, man on this earth that has never tucked his, you know, meat and two veg between his legs and screamed. I'm a woman at the top of his lumps. There's not a single one. They don't exist.
0: Um, I wish this was a joke, listeners. We've both um, seen people who have done this. Anyway, um, moving on. Um, so this. It's just going to be about Batman Begins. We are going to do some follow-up episodes covering uh, The Dark Nugget and The Dark Nugget Rises. But for today, we are just talking about Batman Begins. Um, It's been a long time since you've heard from us that's primarily because we, I think we couldn't be bothered to watch these movies
1: again. No. We, I, sort,
0: of, I, we sort of knew we had to. Yeah, that's the thing. So, um, like,
1: so um, before we really get into it, uh, I rewatched all the Nolan Batman movies uh, for the previous episode. And I watched them in very... Yes, I uh, yeah, we we did it in very quick succession. And I... Without going into it too much, because we are going to talk about The Dark Knight Rises, by the time that movie rolled around, I was already a little bit burnt out on these Nolan Batman movies. Yes. So... Even yesterday, when I said to you, "I'm going to watch Batman Begins when I get home from work," I put it on, and five minutes in, went, "No, <laughs> this is not happening." These are long, long movies. Yeah, they are long movies. So I did watch Batman Begins today. So I watched it maybe three hours ago. So it's it's quite fresh in my mind. But I have to admit, I was sat on my phone during the movie. But I have yeah,
0: seen- I'd say I I was kind of ducking in and out. Um, I mean, I watched it twelve hours ago. Um, no, 24 it's hours contest, ago. It's not a but you about. know. That's, that's how maths works. I watched it 24 hours ago. Exactly, that's where we're recording this. Right, okay, that's, but, um, that's pretty sad. But, um, know, but whatever. we, yeah, but you know, I was kind of just watching like key scenes that I couldn't quite remember because obviously we watched this within the last month because we did record this episode around the time that we released the Scream 6 episode. Yeah,
1: we did, yeah.
0: Um, so, and that's been about a month. So anyway, the long short of it is this. Um, yeah, we're going to be doing the Nolan movies as individual movies rather than as our classic A Mark Versus. Now, a little bit of housekeeping, a little peek behind the curtain, a little parting of the kimono. Um, this is probably going to be the, the way we do Kino Inferno season 3, is each episode is going to be a little shorter but focused on one movie a uh, piece. But what we will do, kind of keeping with our brand of discussing movies that are along a certain theme, if we're going to do like mini series, so season three will comprise of mini series. Um, so you know, we'll have a theme and we'll do maybe five or six episodes if we haven't quite decided yet uh, of a, about an hour to 90 minutes long, discussing one film a piece rather than doing the epic length ones we have been doing where we pick two. You get the idea. So, Mark will pick half of it and I'll pick half of
1: it, and ultimately, um, it means that it's less strain on us as the podcasters. And less strain on you as a listener because you can actually listen to it in more digestible chunks. Because I know some of you listen to it while you're taking a shit or going to the gym or whilst you're trying to get one up, whilst you know your your girlfriend sat there like looking at you really weird. Um, We know that happens.
0: Yeah, we have heard an alarming amount of people listen to this whilst um, engaging in the physical act of love. This is Um, not a
1: coitus podcast, okay? It's
0: well, I think it's just the sexy tones of
1: our voices. That's very true. I've of our voices (laughs) more. I have heard, like, we could do ASMR. Like, we could we can make a yeah. killing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you've got quite, like, a gravelly baritone. I can't imagine anyone's making love to my uh, dulcet tones, to be quite
1: frank. Uh, Aiden, if it's any consolation, I have made love to your dulcet tones many times. Good lord. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, the
0: point of that is, um, we're going to be doing these individual Nolan episodes... Uh, we're going to be carrying on with the Halloween ones. They're going to be like we're probably going to do two or three a piece for the Halloween ones because yeah. the movies are shorter and, and less. What the fuck do you say about worth those films. talking about? <laughs> yeah. um, and then after that, we're going to be onto season three. Our first miniseries we can announce now is going to be called Trash to Pieces. It's going to be movies that are that were kind of trashed on release that we think should have a reappraisal, or we're going to try and make a case for a reappraisal?
1: 100%. Yeah, I think it's about time we actually use this podcast to sort of push forward our own sort of filmic agendas. I And
0: I know what you're thinking, loyal friends, um, people who know me well, I know what you're thinking, and yes, the first Aiden pick of that miniseries is absolutely going to be Speed
1: Racer. I knew you were going to say that, I knew you were going to say that. You know it's
0: going to be Speed Racer, you know it's happening, you know it's coming. And,
1: I think anybody that knows me and knows my preferences, knows that my pick for that is going to have to Your be first pick. Shock Treatment. It has to be Shock Treatment.
0: Oh, God. Uh, well, uh, okay, you're there.
1: making me watch Speed Racer, okay? You're just as bad. Okay, yeah,
0: a, good movie. a good
1: movie. Bullshit. Bullshit. Shock Treatment is a misunderstood, if not flawed gem. Anyway. That's Shock Treatment, the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is arguably a little bit of a better film, but we won't go into that yet.
0: Yeah, you could argue it. I guess anything's <laughs> I arguable.
1: Uh, no. I guess anything's
0: arguable, really. <laughs> that's the thing about the word arguable, is like you, you could argue anything. It make no, anybody
1: that knows my taste in movies and has been unfortunate enough to be drunk around me when the topic of musicals comes up knows that I'm a big shock treatment fan, so that's definitely on the, the chopping block.
0: Yes, before we get to those juicy morsels, we've got these Batman things, the Halloween things... <laughs> Do we have to. And then... <laughs> I mean, no, we don't, but we said we would, so we're going to. Um, you know, we don't hold ourselves to many standards on this podcast, but we are we meant really a word, if nothing else. So, without further ado, let's, because, uh, let's get into Batman, and we should say our Batman episodes are always a little bit cursed, so I'd be surprised if this episode makes it out, but let's try again. Because remember when we did uh, Aiden and Mike vs. Batman, the Tim Burton to Joel Schumacher
1: years? I do. We recorded
0: that one about three times. Uh, like, that was that the was worst. Deal. Um, that was due to technical issues, because I think we had to re record like half the episode as we were recording it the first time anyway. And then that just ended. And then that just ended up being like a five-hour record. Yeah, was it useless. was. It was.
1: It was terrible. I mean, the only saving grace of doing that uh, episode was that I got to watch Batman Returns again, and I will watch Batman Returns until the cows come home. So yes, I was fine. With and that.
0: certainly, Batman has returned. Except this time, he's beginning. He so let's get into 2005's Batman Begins, and actually, that's a good point to jump off from because. Um, so, we should say, when we last saw the Cape Crusader in 1997.
1: When he had nipples?
0: When he had nip as did Robin. And strangely, Batgirl did not. Um, <laughs> because that would be pornographic. That would be
1: R-rated, wouldn't it? Like, that would change yeah. the game, I think.
0: I think Batgirl should have had, like, you know, on her little leotard, she should have had, like, a realistic, like, vulva. <laughs> like a of vulva. Just because I think that would be, like, quite
1: distressing. <laughs> The bat Cavalto is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, she didn't have that. Um, was it yeah, Alicia
1: so Silverstone that played Batgirl? It gun? was Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> No, yes, it was Alicia Silverstone, yeah. <laughs> um, um,
0: we should also let the, make the listeners aware that we're recording this on the Friday of bank holiday. We are. So... Mark is already pissed. I'm not pissed. I'm steadily working my way through a few pint cans of red-striped Jamaican lager.
1: Poo. Hey, I've already told you um, that this is my only day off this week. I'm going to enjoy a libation. That's all I'm saying.
0: And I'm just celebrating the uh, the, cor- the, the soon-to-be-coronated King Charles III. No, you're not. Nobody Rising is. to power. <laughs> rising to ultimate power. Are we doing the 21-come um, anyway.
1: salute for him as well? Now, come on, we've, we've been told about we, this. We did it's get most, notes. <laughs> we got notes the about The most
0: complained-about <laughs> bit in the history of Kino and Perth.
1: In all of, like, 100 <laughs> of our listeners. They, they got mad about that.
0: My mother told me off about that as well. That was too far for her. <laughs> and considering some of the other things we've said, that nice. I got
1: told off by a work but yes, colleague, but that's a whole other story.
0: We got a letter from the government. <laughs> um, anyway, look, Batman.
1: So, yeah, Batman, he begins. 19...
0: 19- but I think we need to set this one up with a little bit of context. Yes, so, no. So in '97, Batman and Robin comes out, and it's generally considered to have been a mistake. Um, it essentially kills the franchise, and also kills comic book movies for a few years.
1: Yeah, no, it um, really did because, like, around that time, we started to see a, a few more comic book movies. I mean, the big one that really stands out to me, which is a bad movie, is Spawn. Spawn came out around that time, didn't it?
0: Mm, it
1: did. And, uh, it did. Ooh, Bad
0: movie, though. I think it's really good.
1: Do you? No. No, no one um, does. No one does.
0: Interestingly, uh, Spawn himself shows up in the, the Dark Nuggets. He so does. He yeah,
1: yeah, he does. But, uh, yeah, like, they, it kind of got to a point where, like, yeah, as we talked about in the previous Batman episode, like, uh, the Tim and Batman movies kind of, like, legitimized superhero movies. Again, because obviously the Richard Donner Superman movies did that previously. Yes. But nothing else really caught on. And then, like, the Tim and Batman movies came out and they were, like, huge they big were big business they huge. were like you know cultural zeitgeist levels of massive and so it, yeah I,
0: and the schumacher movies were as well but then i think forever kind of got away with it and then uh, and robin was just generally considered
1: quite bad i, I think um, that just purely comes from the fact that batman forever is still an enjoyable bit of trash but batman and robin is yeah. like an objectively bad film
0: and like batman and robin did all right like it was successful enough it just, um, you know, was was mocked. It's one of the first instances of a movie being so brutally mocked that the studio were like, no thanks. But I think that None also comes,
1: and again, we we talked about this previously, but I think that kind of comes at the behest of that was the point where the internet was really becoming a thing in the home. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the internet was a domestic device, and therefore it gave, like Jay and Silent Bob have said in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you know, it gives everyone a voice, and everyone wants to use that voice yeah. to talk about shitty movies. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, and so Warner Bros. were in a position where they were like, we want more Batman, because Batman equals Bat-dollar-dollar-dollar. Dollar dollar, but we maybe don't want Joel Schumacher. So they had a few instances of like potential Batman movies that might have gotten made before Begins. Because basically, Joel Schumacher came up with his idea, which was Batman Unchained, uh, which would, interestingly, interestingly uh, dovetailing into this movie, would have featured the Scarecrow as the main villain. Yep. Um, They would have tried to get um, uh, Jack Nicholson back to play a hallucinatory memory of the
1: Joker. Which also, interestingly, became a thing in the video game Arkham Knight. Yes. Which, slightly Um, dovetailing, I just want to point out right now, this movie we're about to talk about probably had the most profound impact on the Arkham Asylum game.
0: Yes, I heartily agree. But yes, and uh, yeah, and Batman Unchained would have also featured uh, Harley Quinn, uh, but in this version, she would have been the daughter of the Joker.
1: Which is interesting because you know this wouldn't have been too far along from when Harley Quinn was first introduced because. Yes, I think it's it's very common knowledge nowadays with how prevalent the character is. But I think a lot of people don't really realize that Harley Quinn wasn't a comic book character. Like she was an invention. No, of the yeah, she started series. on the animated
0: yeah. series and then was inducted into the comics due to her popularity. Yeah, which
1: um, you know, it's is a, a nice little bat nugget, I think, of trivia. A
0: little a little
1: dark nugget, if you will. Yeah, a little dark nugget. Um,
0: uh, the dark nugget rises, if you will. Um so the uh, we talked some fucking bullshit on this show don't we We're on we're on Batman beginner. Um so anyway that was Batman triumphant and um there was a few like casting rumors circulating like they wanted uh, Jeff Goldblum at one point to play Scarecrow they wanted Nicholas Cage to play Scarecrow which is great casting by um, the way. And there were a few suggested castings for yeah Nicholas Cage crushed it. but um there are a few uh, rumored castings for uh, Harley Quinn, all of which was irrelevant because Warner Bros. went, "Thank you, Joel, but no, thank you," and kind of slammed the door in his face. <laughs> um, by all accounts, Batman: Triumphant would have been darker. I um, would have been less campy. Uh, as, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Batman: Triumphant uh, is another uh, movie, isn't it? That was um... well, Batman: Triumphant is this movie, right? Okay. Um, it's just sometimes so. I don't know where the title "Batman: Triumphant" comes from because apparently it was never actually seriously considered. But because I thought when that when Joel Schumacher an... pitched it, it was unchained.
1: I thought "Triumphant" was originally associated with the Tim Burton sequel.
0: Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where like there was a title, there was a potential title floating around. Yeah. Um, but yes, ba- "Batman Unchained" is the one that um, Big Joel pitched. Uh, but anyway, Joel was um, ushered out of the building. Um, then Darren Aronofsky got involved at one point, and he wanted to make Batman colon Dark Knight mm. uh, and I know what you're thinking Dark Knight is one word <laughs> and the K of Dark is also the K of Knight and it's capital
1: Aronofsky, word. I love it you mate dark but that's a fucking Knight. shit title <laughs> that's a shit title yeah,
0: and that's the one where it would have been a complete reboot um, Bruce Wayne was like a street tough um, yeah, I
1: read about this
0: Alfred was like called Big Al or something <laughs> he it as an was he named um, by us? yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 bad. Um, But interestingly, one of the actors who was sniffing around to play Bruce Wayne and that was none other than Christian Bale himself.
1: Interesting, interesting.
0: So that's kind of the first time Bale gets a look in.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the script where Batman used to go around in like a makeshift bat outfit with a baseball bat? If I'm not mistaken, is that the script? The very same.
0: Yeah, the
1: very same. It would have been shit.
0: Um, So they didn't do that, which is good.
1: Thank God. (laughs) Um, Thank God.
0: And then they kind of, cause again, I think the thinking basically was like, well, this isn't really like a Batman movie at this point. It's just kind
1: of. A it's like a vigilante thing. movie. Like, we could just slap yeah. any title on this and we could just turn it into an exploitation movie and churn a few bucks out, yeah.
0: And then the production hell thing for a while that was circulating around was there was basically two Batman uh, product, uh, projects in um, kind of pre production. Uh, one of which was Batman Year One, and one of which was um, basically Batman Beyond.
1: Which um, two very good starting points, I think. Yeah, you've kind of got the and, beginning, and uh, or you've got the the tail end. So it's one
0: of these start- things. While well, like, I doing a bit of research into it, it seems like they were always kind of leaning more towards year one, but there was like a hot moment when Beyond was. So if people don't aren't familiar with Batman Beyond, uh, that that would have been based on the cartoon show Batman Beyond, which is great. Uh, which was uh, yeah, which is great. Which was set which is set in like the cyberpunk future where Bruce Wayne's an old man, and he trains up a new Batman, Terry McGuinness, who is the new Batman. And there was a lot of talk of, like, Clint Eastwood would play old Batman in this movie. As far as I can tell, he was never really signed up for it, it was just something that, like, was what the execs were kind of saying, like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if we could get Clint Eastwood?
1: But clearly Um, the correct answer is, you put Michael Keaton in old man makeup. Like clearly that's the Yeah I mean
0: nowadays they could do it with Michael Keaton They they could
1: and uh, just before we really get into Batman Begins I just want to say As somebody who absolutely adores the Tim Burton Batman movies and in my opinion That is the pinnacle of the Batman movies Like nothing's ever really come close in my opinion Don't fucking hate me but also fuck you Um, The fact that Michael Keaton Has come back in this new Flash movie I don't mm. fucking care. I do not he give looks a shit. Half asleep. I, I am like Michael Keaton is just cashing that paycheck and saying, "Let's go nuts." And fair play to him. Fair play to him. And
0: they are using him. He's probably not even in the movie that much. They're just promoting. They're just promoting it with him because you know the star of the movie is a kidnapper slash nonce. So um, yeah, no. So. They're at this point where they're developing these two movies, but they're kind of half-heartedly developing these movies. Like, they sort of want to do Batman Year One, and like, Aronofsky sticks his beacon again, and they're kind of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe. And then, um, you know, they're sort of thinking about what if we could do Batman Beyond, blah blah blah. Anyway, to cut a long story short, in the early two thousands, they Warner Bros. sits down for a meeting with an up-and-coming British director by the name of Christopher Nolan. He's hot off of Insomnia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's red hot off insomnia Did anyone um, without, ever see Insomnia? Yeah. I never did. I've seen Insomnia and it's quite good. Is it Robin Downey um, is in that movie? Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. Um yeah, it's, it's good I think. But um it's kind of it's one of those movies that's weird to look back on now because it's like yeah, imagine a world when Christopher Nolan was just making like mid-budget like films for grown-ups. Remember that? Anyway, um
1: no, nobody does. We just established that.
0: Yes, quite. Nobody's seen there that. But really, really he's hot off Memento, which he's kind of riding off at that time. Um, And anyway, they kind of bring Nolan in to be like, look, you've worked with big stars, you're on that mid-budget thing. We kind of want you as a big-budget guy. We've got all these franchises, what takes you fancy? And Nolan is the one to say, do you know something? I think I've got a take on Batman. Um,
1: And yet I can't imagine Nolan saying that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of wild because he kind of openly admits he's not really a comic book guy. Um and he had to kind of like become versed in Batman as he was making this
1: movie. Which, you know, fair play to him. I'll give him his props. Like, if he was actually willing mm. to, you know, dive dick first into this stuff, then fair play to him.
0: Yes, well, this is why he kind of hires on co writer David Goya, uh, who obviously had done Blade and he was kind of like he and kind of to some extent still is, he was like Hollywood's go to we've got a comic book adaptation, let's get this guy here. Yeah, And Goya kind of takes him through all the necessary um, graphic novels and stuff. So, like, the Year one, uh, Dark Knight Returns, obviously, and um, you know things like the Long Halloween Dark Victory and things like that I think they were particularly focused on. Which definitely um, came mean, more Nolan to play says, in the
1: sequels, definitely. Um, yeah,
0: Nolan says that he read, like, as much as he could get his hands on whilst preparing for this. Um, but I think the ones that kind of like, I mean, the edition of the Long Halloween that I own has a foreword by Christopher Nolan. Oh, really? Uh, that, I don't know if yeah, that's the so, same as
1: my one, but I've got the Long Halloween and I love that one. That's actually probably my favorite yeah. Batman story.
0: Yeah, my my too. I think tied with Dark Victory, but I kind of
1: ah uh, Dark Victory story underrated. I think.
0: Yeah, um, but anyway, the point. So the point. And I think that's the thing that kind of appeals to him is the kind of Jeff Loeb era of Batman or the and Tim Sale. So, I know he kind of um, explicitly refers to the artwork of Tim Sale as like why he wanted Batman to have like this very long cape because he liked the imagery of Batman kind of like stood on rooftops. Because you know how Tim Sale draws Batman? Oh, like like, he's got like
1: this ridiculous cape that like covers the entire page. It's it's almost like spawn levels, I suppose, of like (laughs) ridiculous capery.
0: And I think that's kind of what appeals to Nolan for this movie is this idea of like you can make this story kind of noirish, grounded and kind of, like, there's these horror elements, but there's also this kind of, like, expressionism to it, which I think he's kind of drawn
1: to. And, yeah, and I think that's Um, definitely two ways of looking at Batman Begins, is that, like, yeah, there's a lot of horror elements, like, more so than what you would probably imagine there to be in, like, a big-budget Batman movie. I say big-budget. This was probably quite mid-budget, I think. Yeah,
0: compared to what a Batman movie would be made for now, and certainly... What a Nolan movie would be like. Oh, now.
1: yeah. Like, what the fuck is the budget for Oppenheimer? Like, who the fuck knows?
0: Crazy. I think they blew up a,
1: the world to make that. They probably way. did. We're all dead right now.
0: Yeah. Are you looking up the budget? No. Yes. I
1: think you are. <laughs> Fucking hell, this was not mid budget. What the shit? Well,
0: how much?
1: Okay, do you, want to, do you want to play a game for the listeners? Do you want to play higher or lower? Okay, fine. Go. Give me, a, give me an estimate
0: uh oh god what a movie's made for us. 2005 yeah that's so 80 million dollars higher. higher higher than 80 million higher um 100 million
1: higher 150 million correct <laughs> <laughs> 150 million dollars was spent so that's
0: quite the yeah that's quite the budget James that's massive
1: uh but do you know how much this movie made
0: Um, not as much as you'd think. No,
1: really, actually, not as much as you would think for that budget. No, this movie made, according to Wikipedia, which is a valid source, fuck anybody who doubts me, uh, apparently this movie made $373.7 million.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I remember, because that's the thing about this film, is, like, I remember people, like, I saw it at the cinema, I think. I definitely saw it on home release on the year it came out. Um, I can't remember if I saw it in the cinema. It kind of Like, it was well regarded when it came out, but it sort of... It didn't have, like... When The Dark Knight came out, that had, like, months and months of hype, and everyone saw it, even people who hadn't seen this one, right? Um, That was, like, a huge deal. But I remember this one kind of being... Not exactly swept under the carpet, but just kind of being, like... You know, the people who saw it were like, Yeah, it was good, it was really good. And then the people who, you know, there wasn't as much
1: hype for it yeah because like this thing I think we talked about this, this is the last time we did this episode and you're gonna hear that phrase a lot listeners fair warning um but I can remember this movie coming out to very little fanfare but a few people that I knew saw it and really liked it and so I eventually watched it and I wouldn't exactly say it left me cold as such but like I definitely came out of it went that was a Batman film, I guess. Um, and I yeah, never really had this yeah. huge attachment to it. And then I saw The Dark Knight a few years later, and then the story kind of changed. Um,
0: yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of reappraisal for this movie because people went back to it after Dark Knight, and also uh, people who hadn't seen it saw it before they saw Dark Knight or saw it after they saw Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of lay my cards on the table uh, before we get into the plot and kind of be like, I think this is, on reflection, my favourite Batman film. It's not to say that there aren't things we can't pick apart about it. There definitely are. Because um, as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Nolan movies anyway. Yeah,
1: you, you are. I love, yeah. The, I love The Dark Knight. I love The Dark
0: Knight. Uh, it's great. I think if we're talking about like what I like from Batman as a character specifically, I think this is the movie that encapsulates that best. Um, I know people are like quite keen on The Batman with Robert Pattinson. Um, and I, I think that I've kind of softened on that movie over time. Um, I've seen it a couple of times now, and like I think it's—we're not here to talk about that. But I, like I, I think this movie—where um, am I going with this? This is the red stripe for throwing it <laughs> again. Um, yeah, I think this movie kind of what I like about it is it's very focused on Bruce Wayne slash Batman.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah.
0: And it feels weird to say that, but like a lot of Batman
1: movies, kind of aren't. No, they're about oh. Batman as the the character, the idea, and uh, yeah. like you've said as well that like what you said previously, should I say that uh, this is your favorite Batman movie? And I can absolutely yes. understand why that is the case. I'm still gonna sit here, hand on my heart, and go, "Batman Returns" is the best Batman movie. Yes, I will yeah. never ever think anything other than that. Because I think that is a movie similar to Batman Begins, but Batman Begins does it to a greater degree, I think. Where the focus is actually on Bruce Wayne more than it is on Batman. This movie definitely has more to say about Bruce Wayne and spends more time with him, but I really love the dynamic yeah. between him and Selena Kyle in Batman Returns. And
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I love Batman Returns. Well, like, how it's can not you a not? Like, like, it's, yeah, just, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's a near-perfect movie. Shut up, Batman. As book. we
0: covered in the old Batman episode, you know, we both we're both big fans of the character in general. Like, Saying it's my favourite, it's not my favourite, it's kind of like a relative thing. At this yeah, point. exactly. Like Batman uh, Returns as a blanket rule, to my, we like Batman.
1: It appeals to everything that I love about Batman, and therefore mm. it's an encapsulation of that, but I know that that's my own personal feelings on Batman, so that's why that movie is my favourite. I think
0: another thing I like about this movie, before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of what happens in it, is like, it's fucking nuts. And it's kind of crazy to think back on the... The kind of impression people have of the Nolan movies is like, oh, it's this very grounded, realistic. This movie is not that. Yeah. (laughs) When you watch this movie, it's. This movie's bananas, because, like, just to give a brief rundown of the plot, this is basically a movie about an evil cult of ninjas who have existed apparently since the dawn of time, who want to destroy Gotham City with a microwave emitter, which will release the scarecrows, fear toxin, into the air and make everyone go. Mad. and on top That's... of that
1: you've got Bruce Wayne returning to Gotham having learnt the tricks of the trade from the evil ninja cult from to the, evil ninjas. the evil ninjas to try and you know stop crime from taking over Gotham because parts of Gotham have become this weird industrial nightmare populated by monorails yes. and yes.
0: then uh, yeah, the, the look of Gotham is very comic booky in this movie yeah, I think which we need to is kind of
1: highlight. almost a mark against the sequels I think
0: yeah, see, I don't... Know. Okay, so this is something... That, let, let's get into this now, because we this is something people always bring up with the Nolan movies, is, like,
1: Gotham looks generic, blah, blah, blah. No, bad. no, That's Gotham is inconsistent, summary. is what it is.
0: Yeah, which I would agree with. I, I think, like, to me, I don't really care until we get to Rises, because I think there should have been more of an aesthetic shift in Rises than there is between Dark
1: Knight and Rises. No, I'd, 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 I'd I think, agree with that, I'd agree with that, yeah.
0: I think the, the aesthetic shift between Begins and uh, Dark Knight is fine because begins is like very horror gothic blah yeah. blah blah that's yeah, kind of yeah. what it's doing yeah 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 and then dark knight is like a michael mann movie like that's that's what yeah that's i different.
1: think the way that you can definitely get around those um accusations and comparisons is that like the story of batman begins necessitates those kinds of locations whereas the story yeah. of the dark Knight and it's, and it's like setting the narrows a lot, right? idea yeah it's, that's, it's yeah it's what is suited to the story and that's completely fine But, you know, I still kind of can't get past the fact that Gotham looks incredibly different from movie to movie. I understand the intent, 100%, but I'd like a little bit more consistency in Gotham because, at least in the Tim Burton movies, both of those movies look like Metropolis had a hangover, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. And, like, I think, to me, it's kind of like, I think because Nolan made Begins and Dark Knight as standalone films, essentially. Um, And then, you know, it, it kind of... It's one of those things where, like, a modern franchise would never do that, where they just go, well, we had one look in this movie, and we're just going to have a completely another look in the next
1: movie. I think you can do that. You absolutely can do that. I just think there's a little bit of a tonal whiplash with the Nolan movies. But also, I I just want to also say, I think Batman Begins, watching it again today, it has a little bit of tonal whiplash syndrome. Not to a point where it's truly egregious or unwatchable, but it tries to do so many things... And I don't think all of those things truly gel together.
0: One thing that kind of strikes me about this movie on the rewatch is like how quippy it is. Yeah, like like weirdly.
1: um, um, It's kind of
0: almost... It's kind of, it's almost bordering on tongue in cheek. And that's something I kind of like about it is like, there are some performances in this. um, I mean, I'm looking at you, Killian Murphy, (laughs) as Jonathan Crane slash the Scarecrow, which are like kind of playing it to the back row.
1: Gary Oldman does that as well, I think.
0: Yeah, like I think he kind of he settles down a bit in the, the sequels, but um, he's definitely. I mean, Gary Oldman, God love him, he is not unaccustomed to dipping a toe in the river of ham. Like, <laughs> no, like
1: um... <laughs> uh, great examples. A a film that we both love, The Fifth Element. Fifth Element. And I don't know if you've ever
0: seen him in Leon. Bring me everyone.
1: Um, The other example I want to give, which is a film that I think we both have very interesting thoughts on, is him in Hannibal. A film that he went uncredited for, and I think in some regard, fair play to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a a fun tidbit about this is um, uh, Oldman wasn't the first cast for uh, Gordon. He was actually up for the role played by Liam Neeson in this movie of Ra's al Ghul. That's interesting, actually.
1: That's very interesting.
0: But he turned it down because he didn't want to play another Hollywood villain. And so they kind of shuffled him into um, Lieutenant in this movie. That's,
1: that's fair, I think. But also, I do think that Gary Oldman fills the Commissioner Gordon role really well across all three movies as well. I think yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, he plays that character really I, well. I
0: think he's comfortably the best Commissioner Gordon, like, but, you know. Shall we get into the plot of this movie?
1: I'm going to let you take the lead, because I watched this movie a few weeks ago when we did the original recording. I watched it again today, admittedly whilst I was sitting on my phone, you know, possibly sexting, who knows. Yeah. Um, Definitely on grinder. Well, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm only human. Um, so, the movie begins with some
0: bats. We just see some bats, and that's like, instead of the title appearing. Um, but no, so no, the cool.
1: bats form the bat symbol.
0: Yes, because that's something that happens in all three of his movies, As yeah. he has the bat symbol and stuff. It's almost like the 007 yeah. um, barrel sequence, yeah. which obviously we know Nolan's a big fan of Bond, so that Yeah, and it. it's a shame he didn't um, do
1: the, the Friday the 13th version of Bond, which is also fantastic.
0: Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, we, uh, what we actually open on is a stately Wayne Manor uh, in the past, and we have eight-year-old Bruce Wayne messing about with, uh, I guess, similarly aged Rachel Dawes, uh otherwise known as little miss not appearing in the comics but she's oh, kind so of uh miss
1: Katie Holmes why are you in films and then she regenerates into Maggie Hall <laughs> later on um yes
0: yeah, so Rachel Gores is kind of like an amalgamation of a few different characters from the comics I feel um we'll kind of get into her characterization later on but uh, yeah basically we see them messing about Rachel's found I think it's like an arrowhead or something on the grounds um and they're messing about, and this messing about, Cormenades and Bruce, falling down a well. Otherwise known as the Bat Hole. Uh, because there's bats in there. And uh, that's kind of a fun start to the movie. Um, you're sitting there, you're thinking, okay, we're going to see child Bruce Wayne. What's going on? Okay, we're going to see it slowly. Ro- but then we immediately cut to some jail in the middle of God knows where in Asia, where adult Bruce Wayne, played by Christine Bale, is waking up from presumably this memory dream, Um, and we learn that he's been in prison a little while, and he's been beating up the local uh, Chinese gangsters. This is
1: what I find weird about this movie, as much as I like this movie, I'm not going to lie to you, I think the first 30 minutes or so are really not my vibe, admittedly.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. I mean, I will say this, it doesn't fuck about. Like, no. You're in, that, you're in that prison, he gets into a brawl with a large prisoner who apparently has been duffing him up for some time.
1: But then we the do, guards... like, a time jump, and then time jump back? Yeah, I mean, this
0: is some classic Nolan
1: time fuckery. But, like, not in, like, because a clever what, what way, we more actually... like, a this is a bit messy way, I think. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that.
0: But but anyway, the point is
1: this. Um,
0: Bruce batters a big Asian guy. The guards separate him because he's too hard. Um... <laughs> I mean that's canon that's in the movie and then uh, he's taken into solitary but who should be waiting for him in solitary other than Liam Neeson um, who in this movie is playing Henry Ducard who is definitely not anyone else do not worry about it come um, yeah so this is something we should flag up so uh, Henry Ducard is a character in the comics um, who is a kind of mentor of Bruce Wayne's he te- in the comics he teaches him
1: his Detective skills. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring this up he, because I yeah. wasn't fully remembering who mentioned it last time on the show. But when I was watching Batman Begins Today and obviously Henry Ducard is introduced and the whole Rachel Gaul thing is introduced and Rachel Gaul eventually like trains Batman and all that. I was sitting there thinking, is that from the comics? Like is that Well it's a bit line?
0: of an amalgam it's a bit of an amalgamation. Okay. So Obviously, Batman doesn't meet uh, Ray Shalgul, who they call Raz in this movie. Incorrectly, Um, but whatever. Well, I think neither pronunciation is actually correct,
1: is the thing. Um, I'm going by the animated series, admittedly, but.
0: Yeah, so it's one of those things. And also, uh, I happen to know that DC um, editorial staff have never been able to agree on how you pronounce the name. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, The. Yes, so Henry Descartes in the comics is like a detective. Who teaches Batman. Because uh, Batman. So the thing is, like, this thing that we see in this movie where it's like Batman's gap here and he's like learning skills from different people. Uh, that is more of a thing in the comics. There's more specific mentors. And Ducard kind of is this French guy who like teaches Batman how to be a detective, basically. But the storyline is like, he's kind of an amoral vigilante, as it turns out. So the character archetype is definitely the same. His connection to the League of Shadows and, and Ra's al Ghul is. Um, fabricated for this movie, basically. Fair enough. Because um, surprise, surprise, he's not just Henry Descartes No. But we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, so I think what's kind of cool in this movie is like um, in this uh, scene rather, when you know Liam Neeson's is like looming in the shadows of this solitary confinement cell, um, and he kind of says like, you know, you could be so much more. You could be, um, you know, you join the League of Shadows. Bruce Wayne already knows who the League of Shadows are. And he's like, oh, the vigilantes. It's kind of an interesting thing like I think to your point about the um, the the kind of cutting back and forth between timelines in this first uh, act I think it's basically because Nolan knows he has to do an origin movie (laughs) but he doesn't want to spend fucking ages setting everything up so he's
1: just giving you the key he gives you like a
0: tease of what
1: is and then goes okay let's explain that let's explain that Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and it's one of those things where like I think the first time I saw this movie I was kind of like oh why are we jumping back and forth so much but like on subsequent viewings, I've definitely, like, thank God, because it just gives you kind of the cliff notes. It gives you the key points. Um, we're not going to break down where the timelines intersect too much. Anything, cause I don't think it's, like, too much, like, hard work. But essentially what you see is um, basically when Bruce was a child, uh, you see his relationship with Thomas Wayne, his father. Uh, you see Thomas Wayne, like, pulling him out of the bat hole that he falls into. Um obviously the bat hole kind of gives him this phobia of bats. Which is then
1: followed up by the um, scene where they go to the opera, and they have those freaky yes. dancers as bats, who are climbing up and yeah. down ribbons and shit. Like,
0: yeah, and Bruce is like, ah, I want to go, because the bats are scaring me. So they leave, and that's what leads them to getting shot. And at, I so I, I also, I
1: know you flagged this up last time, and I want to flag it up again, because when I rewatched it today, it really stood out to me. I really loved the bit where uh, Bruce's dad, Thomas, sees that Bruce is uncomfortable, takes him out of the theatre, and uh says to them I'm like, Oh, you know, a little bit of opera goes a long way and they're like winks at Bruce and I'm like, That's a really nice scene. Yeah. It's a really nice scene. Well,
0: we we do we don't get many scenes with Thomas Wayne, but we do kind of get a sense of the man he is because obviously uh, when they're on the way to the opera you see the scene where they're in the monorail, but yeah, yeah. um we find out the the Wayne's built essentially as cheap transport because Gotham has a, a a wealth disparity issue, I think it's fair to say. And um I think this is one of the things that I find interesting about this movie is like um, especially compared to the Batman, uh, which came out more recently, is this version of Thomas Wayne is definitely the classic, very old school, like completely virtuous, yeah, Thomas
1: empathetic, Wayne. righteous, yeah, that kind of version. Um, there is one thing I do want to point out about this scene that bugged me a little bit more on this time around, and I feel like maybe if I re-went. Um... I feel like maybe if i went back again and watched it maybe i'd see some of the more subtle differences but uh when they go to the opera house it seems very classy out front and then when they decide to leave the yeah. opera house it's like slum yeah. world 101 like it is the trashiest nastiest yeah. fucking alleyway well, i think
0: the thing is they they, le- they leave out of the fire escape but even
1: so like even yeah. so i know
0: it's like the front is like super classy, and the back is like. Pretty and like
1: I used to work at a Hilton hotel, without going into details, and I know that the back part of those hotels is absolute garbage. Like, admittedly, yeah. but like the back of that opera house is like full of graffiti. There's likely dead bodies everywhere. Some hookers are probably applying their yeah. trade. It's a, it's an absolute lawless wasteland.
0: Well, my explanation for this is um, because actually, as the movie progresses later on, Ra's al Gul reveals that they tried to destroy Gotham through economics right? He's kind of said, implying that some of Gotham's poverty issues come from them. But but kind of says, like, oh, but the people like the Waynes fought against this. So my thing is this. I think that wasn't always an opera house. I think the Waynes have pumped some money into this, they've turned it into a nice theatre, and it is literally just in Right? (laughs) i think it's just like a nice theater that they like they're starting to gentrify the um the narrows i
1: think you're employing a little bit too much to that but i it's just it's a very weird contrast to me they go from elegant opera i think it's all baby. i think
0: that's all it's all there baby but um yes because gotham in this movie is very much like smoke bellowing out of the uh the the gutters at all times Kept, like perpetually raining, it's fucking graffiti insane. everywhere. Like, again,
1: we'll get into this more yeah. as we talk about this trilogy, and obviously, we'll breeze through the plot of this movie because if you listen to this episode, you fucking know the plot of this movie. You've seen this movie.
0: No, I want to give you it painstakingly. But
1: I think the thing about the Nolan trilogy that I find the most interesting, um, aside from the the negative thoughts that I have about it, is that <laughs> each film is genuinely very distinct from the next, and yes. I think Gotham yeah. City plays a massive part in that. In that.
0: Yeah, I think in these movies, Gotham is more of a character than it is in any of the other films. I disagree. And I think there's definitely... Uh. Well, let, let, let me conclude this point. I think what Nolan does do in all three of these movies, which none of the other ones do, I think, as much as like the Tim Burton Gotham is very aesthetically interesting, as is the, the one from the more recent movie, the Matt Reeves film... Um, what none of those really gave me the impression of is, like, a populated city. No, because I get which the I think what the Nolan movies are really good at is you'll always see, like, random Gotham citizens kind of interacting with what's going yeah, on. Yeah, no,
1: I will actually agree with um, you, though. I think that's a very solid point. Yeah. Um,
0: and, like, whatever you think of the aesthetic, I think these are the movies that make... Like, Gotham is a key point in all three of these movies. It's not just a backdrop. Yeah, like, but it's, it's, it's yeah.
1: interesting to me that in this movie, which I think is... Aside from Dark Knight Rises, which is ridiculous for another reason, this is a very ridiculous version of Gotham. Like, uh, what's the, yeah. the, the the term they use for like the slums of Gotham in this film? Uh, the, narrows. the Narrows, yeah, which are like full of billowing yeah. smoke, and the monorail track yeah. runs through it and shit. And I'm like, this is great. This is great Batman shit. Yeah. And then the... I-, I love Wayne Tower in this movie is like slightly <laughs> <in the center laughs> yeah, of the like it's, it's like, like an intentional. It's just this, like choice. this Tower of Black. <laughs> And then... And, like, the W even looks like a bat. And like in it's, The Dark Knight, no one fucking mentions that. It's not even a part no. of the fucking skyline. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah, this is something I do...
0: I, I will pull Nolan up on this. What happened to the monorail, man? I know it gets blown up at the end of this movie, but, like, surely... They would, and I think
1: as we've like mentioned previously, I think it is more a case of adapting the environment to the story that's being told, which is absolutely fine. But like a little bit more consistency aesthetically would have been nice. You know, it would have been nice. Well,
0: I think yeah, I kind of get that from a logical standpoint. I think one thing that people um, maybe underestimate about Nolan is he's quite an expressionistic filmmaker in a way. No, no, yeah or impressionistic, whichever one I mean, where, like, the the setting is very, like, in this movie, the setting is very reflective of the mood of Gotham, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%, where, like, it's, 100%. It, it's, 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 like, very claustrophobic, there's constant rain, there's smoke everywhere, it's this bleak,
1: hopeless wasteland. Well, something that... But
0: then by the time we get to Dark night and Dark Night Rises, where they're, like, cleaning up the city, it becomes more of, like, a gleaming metropolis.
1: Well, something that we'll obviously get to as we get into the film further, which we need to do, because this episode cannot run long. It can't run long. No. Um, is that later in the movie? Probably going to run a bit long. Spoilers, spoilers. Uh, when we see the scarecrow in his full glory riding around on the horse, yes. which is spectacular, can I just say, is one of the crowning yes. jewels of this movie. Him going around the Narrows on the back of that horse with the smoke everywhere. I'm like, this is what this film was going to be. This is everything that this film was trying to be, and it does it. Yeah. For yeah. five fucking seconds. And this is where we'll get into my criticisms of Batman. I think Begins.
0: that whole sequence with the Narrows at the end where everyone's going crazy from Fear Gas is actually pretty wild. Yeah, no, it's like. fucking wild.
1: And like, Joe, you know I'm not going to fucking temper my opinions here and just say that as much as I enjoy Batman Begins and I think it's a decent movie it's not one of the batman movies that i go back to very often but that's mostly because i think it has such a mishmash of ideas and like tones that yeah it's a little rough around but charmingly so i think
0: yeah and this is kind of going to be my point is like i uh, will kind of segue back into the plot in a minute but i think this movie's a little rough like there's certainly some elements of like Nolan doesn't really know what he's doing with the handheld fighting and like the hand-to-hand fighting. The action this. scenes
1: in this movie do um, kind of suck.
0: I think, well, you know, the received wisdom is always like, Nolan's not that great at the hand-to-hand stuff, but he's good at the vehicular. But chaos. he got better at Which that I, as
1: he went on, I think. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. And like, I mean, this movie, again, the standout action sequence for me is like the Batmobile. The Tom, Tearing through the, Tumbler, the cop yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's all great. Um, but we'll kind of, okay, so we'll kind of get to that. Um... Long, to cut a long story short the first act is basically like you're seeing the flashbacks between young Bruce and, and adult Bruce uh, adult Bruce is training with the League of Shadows uh, learning the art of ninjitsu and gonna <laughs> be so crazy like, he has to <laughs> climb a mountain he has to pick a blue flower at the top of a mountain uh, to gain entry into the League of Shadows whereupon Ducard trains him to be stealth master supreme and to use fear as a scene, weapon point, in a great scene may
1: I point out a great scene yeah yeah in this scene that um, I to, think to, really shines Nolan's flair for theatrics, I think.
0: Yeah, there's lots of kind of cool sequences in the training uh, stuff. Like, uh, I assume you were referring to the bit where he's like gassed with the. Um, yes, I, I the blue love flower. that scene.
1: I love that scene. And
0: he has to he has to locate Luke Ducard amongst yeah, the. Yeah, and other you Luke get that members. amazing bit
1: where Ducard puts the sword to the ninja's neck. He believes to be Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne is then revealed to be behind him. I'm like gold cinematic genius love that shit fantastic
0: and uh, yeah i I like bruce um slashing the arms of the ninjas so he can tell yeah like it's it's such a great
1: scene but also as much as i love that scene also the the bats
0: as well that's what's cool about like you you get that like he's not batman yet but obviously he has the phobia of bats so like when he's gassed he always sees bat like imagery i just think that's like cool and
1: it's great but also at the same time my brain just goes this is a great scene it's not a scene in a Batman movie, though, is it? But you know, we'll we can cast that aside. Well,
0: I disagree. I think it is a scene in a Batman movie because it's in this movie, which is a Batman
1: movie. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're <laughs> being like factual about it, I suppose. But uh, no, I no, I mean, I
0: think, but but I think that's what's cool about this movie and why no, I do to hold I do agree I do agree.
1: I'm being facetious, obviously. like I've had a few beers. But this is, is a
0: movie where, like, the point of it is you're seeing. Bruce Wayne, like, gaining the skills that he uses to be Batman yeah, and I, I, um, I
1: do think that is definitely a strength of the movie, but I do think like as an overall piece, it's very tonally disjointed
0: yeah, it's kind of, yeah,
1: I kind of know what you mean, because
0: you kind of, the first act of this movie, you're cutting between Ninja School and, like, the origin and like Bruce Wayne's, like, personal tragedy back in Gotham, and then by the end of this movie, you're kind of in a joy R.A. Romero movie <laughs> Which is, <laughs> I mean, it's like, how did we get yeah, from yeah, A to B? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I like about this film, is that it's kind of nuts, but like, in a way that I don't think any movie would be allowed yeah, to Yeah, like, I, I
1: would days, never like... detract points from this movie for its fucking yeah. weirdness, because it's such a weird film. Like, um... Yeah, and even again what and like Killian Murphy's like in a different movie to everyone else <laughs> yeah, like like
0: he's in a hammer horror film and he's loving it like like... it's
1: such a strange film and it's especially weird when you contrast it with The Dark Knight which we will talk about again soon don't worry um, yes. it's a completely different film to The Dark Knight it's yeah. so different and it's yeah it is and I think this
0: is why like I, I have a special place for this because it's a little bit it's a little bit raw and a little bit weird and it's kind of like it has all the kind of weird Batman imagery that I enjoy, and like, it has this kind of strange tone to it. Anyway, um, we are kind of rambling all over the place. So the first act—no one cares
1: about the. We plot, see the Bruce because this movie doesn't care about. The we,
0: plot. See the Wayans, we see the Waynes. We see the Waynes get shot.
1: That's the key. Badly edited, but that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, it's not my favorite. Scene no, in this I think it's movie. one of the like, worst kind of, scenes in this-, this
1: movie, personally.
0: I-, I think this is an issue with this movie. I think is like the editing is not up to par with Nolan's vision. No. Whether no, that's an issue that, with what was shot and how the editing was, I don't know. I believe this is before Nolan had Final Cut on I also films, think it's... So that may say something. I also
1: think, myself, personally speaking, watching it again today, uh, watching the scene where the Waynes get shot, I kind of felt like it was a for-the-rating kind of deal.
0: That may be an issue, because you don't even see like the gun flare. No, no, no. Just you see,
1: like, you just hear gunshot, it. death, gunshot, death. And it's very, like... Un, it's not even a word undramatic
0: obviously I think I think what Nolan's going for in terms of how it's shot is like you, obviously you're seeing it from Bruce's perspective so it's just like it's the surrealism of like my parents have just been yeah shot
1: I get that but for me personally yeah, it's like the chaos but for it, me it know. doesn't quite go far enough in the direction of being no, I, I know what you mean. I know. What or you mean. truly gratuitous it just I mean
0: I, I do like the the wide shot that kind of ends that yeah, sequence where you do see both of them dead and it's like the the you know the classic image from the comics of like, yeah Bruce, of course uh, yeah
1: parents, of course like, but the, the I alley. just think overall um, in terms of I execution it, like that scene doesn't go far enough in either direction to really do yeah, anything yeah, for me. Yeah. like
0: I mean I think it's one of those things though like it sticks out even more now because we've seen subsequent renderings of this scene which really really oversell it I'm looking at Batman versus Superman <laughs> which I've never seen
1: honest. may I point out I've never seen it.
0: But like, the, okay, so the scene that, the unnecessary scene of the Wayne's death in that movie is like Zack Snyder-esque slow motion, it's like fading in fading out. Okay, stop and the right there, that sounds
1: fucking diabolical.
0: The pearls of Martha's necklace fall in slow motion and bounce across the floor and it's like
1: very overstated. That sounds diabolical. No, I don't need that.
0: Um, I kind of know what you mean, like this film, like watching it last night, I kind of was like, yeah, he kind of just wanted to get through the Wayne's <laughs> it's like, death like, yeah, they, they died, thing. fuck it. Yeah, um, <laughs> But I think what's more interesting and what Nolan is more interested in is when you see younger, like older, younger Bruce as, you know, a college-age Bruce. Played by Christian Bale kind of, uh, himself. Played by Christian Bale with a floppy fringe. That's how you know he's younger. He listens to a lot is of My Chemical older... Romance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of like the, the thing where he's... Um, obviously, Joe Chill kind of gets released. Um, yes,
1: yes. Definitely want to talk about this. But when
0: he turns up to the cour- courthouse with a Glock and he considers killing Joe Chill, but then... Uh, because Chills states evidence I think is the idea because he shared a cell with Carmine Falcone um, but then he gets whacked by one of Falcone's
1: yeah that's a great Um, scene
0: and I think that's the element that he's more interested in is this thing of like well what turns Batman from you know a quest of vengeance to a quest of justice yeah
1: and I think that's Um, something that informs the rest of the movie because like he mm -hmm. has that point where he wants to kill the guy that killed his parents and uh, he's actually kind of robbed of that which is what happens in the scene. Somebody else kills that guy.
0: Yeah, and then there's the scene where we're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room, Katie Holmes, um, (laughs) where she, as uh, older Rachel, is kind of dressing Bruce down and saying, like, you don't turn up to a courthouse with a gun. What are you thinking of? Slaps him in the face um, and kind of gives him a dressing down, which is a well-written scene.
1: But poorly performed.
0: Unfortunately, Katie Holmes is delivering the lines. And look, Katie Holmes is not a terrible actress. I'm just going to put that out but there. But
1: she's terrible I in this. I don't think.
0: She is miscast in this. Like, she doesn't. She can't do the flinty Gotham City
1: DA. She cannot do the, the, the. And, and like I say this with Astrid's voice, like, the poignant dialogue. She can't deliver that. And, like, again, yeah. yeah, this is not a slate on Katie Holmes. I'm actually not that familiar with Katie Holmes. I've not really seen many of her films that she's ever fucking been in. She's, like, fine. but she's like, not, you know, But, like, in this movie, yeah. she's she's kind of, like, firing on all the wrong cylinders when the other actors are kind of firing on the right cylinders.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of an issue, is, like, she's surrounded by actors of a much higher caliber than herself, and, like, that, that could be hard to deal with, but also, like, she's just not believable as, like, a tough career gal. No. Which is kind of
1: what this character's supposed to be. Whereas, like. and again, we'll get um, to this, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal, playing that character in The Dark Knight, sells that yes. character far better yeah. than what she does, you know. It's a rico case.
0: Um, we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, but the point of that scene is, like, so So Rachel drives Bruce down to, like, the, the Narrows to be, like, look, this is, you know, to kind of go and talk to Carmine Falcone, um, the mob boss. Um, and, yeah, the, that's kind of a nice scene where he where Falcone kind of says, like, you know, you're coming in here with all your anger and your bullshit, but, like, ultimately, you know, the whole town's in my pocket. Like, you know, this, you should, he kind of says, like, you should be thanking me for having Joe Chill whacked. Um, That kind of goads him and stuff like this. And you kind of see, like, the formation of, because Bruce realizes he doesn't understand the criminal mentality, right? And then this is what inspires him to go missing and go to Asia, where he lives a life of crime (laughs) for a bit. Which is a weird Um, choice. Again, this is, this uh, this is from the comics. He does go and study with criminals and stuff like this. Um... You know, he kind of lives the, the life of the criminal. Uh, and you see him discussing this with Henry Ducard. And ultimately, this is what separates him from the League of Shadows, is Bruce wants to kind of... or um, well, he realises he does empathise with the criminals, and he empathises with their desperation, and he thinks that they can be saved or redeemed, whereas the League of Shadows are like, no, just get rid of them. Burn the city down and kill everyone. Yeah, because
1: the well, League, League of, of Shadows kind of have the... this thing like, Gotham must die. Like yeah. very strongly, like it must burn to the ground. Like they consider it like fucking Sodom and Gomorrah. Like it's it's insane yeah, yeah. how they think then, about Gotham.
0: And Bruce is like, I will not kill and then goes on to burn down that League <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole place. thing.
1: Um Presumably killing all of them. But... <laughs> but again, like we already talked about Batman Returns, where Batman Returns is such a good Batman movie that he kills people in that film, we don't care about it, so it's fine. Like
0: Yeah, and like, I think this movie is excusable because like He's not, I don't see it as like premeditated murder, he's just seeing it as like... And also,
1: you know, spoilers, he does technically kill somebody at the end, but...
0: Yes, he does, and we'll get to that. But um, this is is kind of like early years Batman, so I don't really mind that his no-kill rule isn't quite in place yet. He's like still figuring that out. But anyway, the long and short of that is, he burns down the League of Shadows base, uh, he saves Henry Ducard, and fucks off back to Gotham. Where it turns out, Alfred is living the high life because Bruce left him all his money, which I think is cool. Um, you know, Michael Caine says you can you can borrow the roles. if you want. <laughs> um, but here is where the movie really starts cooking on gas, right? This is where the movie starts getting getting going. Um, not that it was wasn't going before, but it's kind of like right, we've done act one. Now it's all it's chalked away, full speed ahead. Um, Bruce goes back to Gotham. Becomes Batman, sets up with Gordon, um, you know, discovers that Falcone's got these drug shipments coming in, uh, discovers that Dr. Crane, the scarecrow, is working with Falcone, discovers that they're both working for the League of Shadows. Um, Henry Descartes shows up again, surprise, surprise, he's Ra's Al Ghul, um, burns down Wayne Manor, releases fear, talks in into the Narrows. Batman stops the plan, saves the day, blah, blah, blah.
1: And obviously the other thing I have to mention so, is that Scarecrow is working with Rachel Ghoul and... Yes. Um,
0: because the fear toxin that Scarecrow uses is made out of the blue flower yeah. that creates hallucinogens. Yeah. And one thing I actually yes. just
1: want to mention about this movie, I don't know about yourself, I don't know how ingrained this movie is in your, like, pop culture experience, but the guy that plays Falcone in this movie is Tom Wilkinson.
0: Yes, a fine British and actor.
1: what are you most familiar with Tom Wilkinson from?
0: Uh, Carmine Falcone,
1: Batman movies. Okay, that's not what I'm most familiar with him from. He's been in many other things. The thing possibly. that i mostly remember him from, he's in the Full Monty. Yes, he yes, is. Yes, and he, like that, apparently he won awards for his performance in the Full Monty. Mm. Because, like, I don't know about you, like, the Full Monty, that's actually a really great British movie, like, a really good British film.
0: So, we've covered the kind of the, yeah, yeah, the, the plot. plot yeah, yeah plots, so Scarecrow
1: is yeah. also involved with Rachel Ghoul because like he provides yes. the flowers for his toxin and all that bullshit.
0: But also the role he kinda plays in the Falcone mob is that whenever anyone gets got by the law, he has them declared insane. By giving them um, the
1: toxin.
0: By making them insane. Yeah, because he does that um, to
1: Falcone uh, in a really great yes. scene. Um and yeah, so Batman and the Scarecrow tussle, and we should mention those tussles because I love the first tussle between. Yeah, the two well,
0: of them. I want to flag up. Yeah, Killian Murphy rules in this movie. Um, he is kind of playing it to the back row. Interestingly, he was cons- well, he 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 auditioned for the role of Batman. In fact, and the screen tests of him as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Um, but I think he would have been. Yeah. The thing about Killian Murphy is he's a, he's a very um, good-looking man. That's undeniable. But he's good looking in that very, like, slightly uncanny way. Yeah. Which I think doesn't quite work for Bruce Wayne, but works for Scarecrow like an absolute charm. And he's obviously in all three of these movies, um, kind of cameoing in Dark Knight
1: and, and Dark Knight. But and also, Knights, like, steals the scenes he's in. Like, 100 Yeah,
0: he's a real. like, in this movie, he has possibly my favorite line delivery in a <laughs> He's so movie good ever, at this film. Where he, ter- where he turns to his goon and goes, He's here. <laughs> Who? The Batman. I love that. Um, yeah, and I like that he. Yeah, obviously. He, um, yes, there's some great tussles with uh, with Batman. Uh, there's the great line where he's like, uh, "You look like a guy who takes himself too seriously." You want my advice?
1: Lighten up. And lights and on fire. And it's beautiful. But um, ultimately, yeah.
0: So that's what I mean about that's what I mean about his performance. Kind of like it's like he's the one character who's given full license to kind of.
1: Really hammered. Well, ultimately, up. I think that compared to the other villains in this movie, he's the most interesting one of the three. Like, yeah, and he's
0: the he's the most kind of like straight. Yeah, and I
1: think though. that he's. I actually think he's done a little bit dirty in this film, like because he becomes the villain in the second act, and then they do the mm. Rachel Gore reveal, which yeah, we've already gone through the plot. Whatever, um, and yeah. so. What I think is most interesting, and this is something that occurred to me on my most recent rewatch, which was earlier today, was that obviously when Batman first meets him, uh, he uses the fear gas on Batman, sets him on fire, and like basically, like yes, basically I, I just want to shout the
0: ama- the amazing fear gas sequences in this movie, like when he doses Batman. And you see from Batman's perspective, Scarecrow's mask opening up and spewing out Yeah, it's bats. so good. That's a it's great show. That's a great it's shot. so, so good. Yeah.
1: And it also ties into one of my, actually, my favourite scene in the whole movie, which I haven't really talked about yet, which is where Batman first attacks the drug deal that takes place at the shipping yard.
0: Yeah, yes. which is a... Which is the Batman reveal scene. Yeah, it's scene, the Batman
1: yeah. reveal scene, where Batman is just this omnipresent horror movie-style threat yeah. who just takes the guards out. Well, one well one. this
0: this is kind fantastic. of the key to, like, Nolan's it's take on Batman, right? It's like... Well, there's, there's kind of two things that he really flags up when he kind of pitches this to Warner Brothers. Number one is, like, he wants to make a tactile blockbuster, not overusing CGI. He wants it to feel practical and real. And that's kind of his take on on, Batman, on like the aesthetic. But then his take on, like, Batman is he's like, well, I don't want to do Batman as, like, he's the superhero swooping between buildings... He wants him to be, like, this primal figure in the dark. And this movie is kind of the one that really gets that. It really fucking works. I love that scene, as you say, with the shipping containers where, like, he's just taking the guards out one by one. It's so good. And
1: it's shot like a horror movie as well, which obviously appeals to my own sensibilities. But, like, in this movie, works so fucking well. Like, Batman is genuinely scary in that scene. And it even, like, has the... Almost cheesy horror movie style reveal, where it's like, "Where are yeah. you?" Behind you. It's so yeah. good. It's so and fucking I th- good. They,
0: they even they even get away with the, "What are you?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> they get away with that. They get they away get with it because the scene is so. And good. What's so good yeah. about it as well is that like not only is that scene so fantastic, it immediately goes into the scene where Falcone is in the straitjacket, jacket. Uh, I think he's in a straight jacket. Yeah. And uh, the Scarecrow goes into him and gives him the fear toxin and gives him the fucking business. And goes, yeah, he's criminally insane. Put him in Arkham. I'm like, this is the movie. This is the movie. This is what I want in this fucking film. Yeah, you you like the more horror. Yeah, and this is kind of my problem with this movie. As much as I like this film. And I do like this film. Don't go wrong. I do like this film a lot. Um, It's -hmm. not my go-to Batman film, but it's one that I really do appreciate. But I think that a lot of the racial ghoul elements undercut the weird psychological horror stuff they could have done if the scarecrow was the real villain.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I kinda get where you're coming from with that. I I kinda I think thematically this movie is doing a lot and like maybe that's kind of the issue for you is like there's not one.
1: There's no real following. true focus, I and mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I still like the film as it is, and like as much as yeah, um, no, 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 we're just you
0: know it's, it's constructive criticism. Yeah,
1: and like uh, I think we've discussed this off mic a lot before, and it's something that I've discussed on mm. previous episodes. But like my biggest problem with this movie, and it's just down to personal preference, is that mm. the version of Rachel ghoul in this movie is uh, hashtag not my racial ghoul Like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He's I, I not that, I mean, that like, character. W-
0: but, I, I understand that criticism, um, it doesn't bother me as much because they make him Henry Card.
1: Yeah, they do something a bit what, different. What, I will, and I, have to what admit, I will say is this. On this rewatch, yeah. I went into it being like, I'm not watching this as a Batman versus Rachel Gould movie, I'm not seeing it that way, I'm going to watch it as its own thing. And I have to admit, I did get a lot more out yeah. of it.
0: And I like Liam Neeson a lot in the role. I think he does a good job. He
1: this. does, and um, there's something that occurred to me on this rewatch that didn't occur to me before, which I thought was actually quite interesting. And I think you'll know exactly what I mean when I talk about it. Is um, they hint at the supernatural aspect of Rachel Gaul in this movie? Because obviously, in the the first scene where they fight on the ice and Rachel Gaul is apparently dead, they do that. And then uh, Rachel Gould comes back later in the movie and they have this whole thing about, is Rachel Gould an identity? Is he a yeah, character? Really, is Rachel Gould a more? Yeah, like, Are like, uh, his methods yeah, like, supernatural? So they play yeah. it in the sense of, like, is he a, an entity? Is he like an identity? Which I'm like, yeah. okay, that's, that's kind of how you get past the more supernatural aspects of that character. Do you know character. what? I'm going to
0: throw it out there. I, I agree with your point about this not being, about this being hashtag not my Rachel Gould when Rises comes along. And we'll talk more about this when we when we do Rises. But my thing with this is like when I first saw this movie, and like even watching it now, what I like about how they handle Ducard Raish, is like obviously you see the Ken Watanabe version of like Ra's al Ghul, who is more out of the comics but Japanese question mark, um, whereas Ra's al Ghul is typically kind of Arab right in the comics. Yeah, even though um, my
1: favourite version of him is not played by an Arabian actor, is played by a British actor. No.
0: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, it's clearly... Not Liam Neeson, can you know, I point bit oriental- it, not Liam Neeson. No, yeah. It's a bit orientalist, but, like, they kind of... Modern interpretations kind of be like, oh, he's kind of a citizen of the world. They've done, the yeah, like,
1: they've, they've, they've done the right thing yeah. kind of dialing it back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, what I like in this movie is, like, there's no point where Liam Neeson says, like, I'm Razor.
1: Yeah, it's like a, an idea. It's
0: just... It's just understand like Bruce is the one who goes who calls him Raz and he just doesn't disagree. So like my thing when watching this movie for the first time was like oh Raz Al Ghul in this universe is just whoever's the league, the head of the League of Shadows, yes. which is kind of impl- implied because they say like oh, the League's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Like they yeah, burned Rome to the ground, they ransacked London, like all this. Yeah, and
1: there stuff. is something that on this rewatch of the film actually stood out to me that didn't occur to me beforehand, which actually kind of made me reappreciate this version of Rachel Gul, as much as he's not hashtagged my Rachel Gould, Um it's obviously, you know how like he supposedly dies on the ice with Bruce Wayne and then he comes back at the end of the film, um, it's during the final battle on the uh, monorail pardon me, just burped, a lot of beer sorry, um, Filth, filthy babe. oh it came again, what news, anyway um, so it's where Bruce Wayne makes the decision to go, I don't have to kill you I just don't have to save you which is a yes. nice little thematic Loop around to the start of the movie Great stuff, Nolan, you know what you're doing Um, but it's where The monorail is about to crash And you see Liam Neeson do this Prayer movement And obviously the listeners can't hear it Or see it, because I'm doing the prayer movement and He does this like, contemplate
0: Yeah, he's almost
1: like bracing himself for death. for death And then the monorail crashes, you go, he could survive that And then it just blows up, you go, no, bullshit <laughs> <laughs> he died.
0: <laughs> yeah, he almost is like, he's like, Qui-Gon-esque. Yeah, and um, I think, um, movement, like, though.
1: that really stood out to me, because I was like, that makes the whole racial al thing in this movie make sense, is that they believe they are that identity, and then, like, he braces off for death, and he just gets blown to shit, because I can believe he survived that ice capade. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think as well, like, the... Kind of going to what I was saying where the, I, I like the ambiguity in this movie that's kind of slightly ruined by um risers. Slightly. Like, like Ducard says, when when they meet the 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 kind of Kem Watanabe Raz says like Razal Ghul saved us from the dark parts of our own soul. So it's almost like they're talking about this figure as if it's like this kind of god almost. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that does yeah, work. I think, I think that does work. So as much as I've had like much misgivings about this film in previous years because like I dislike the version of Rachel Ghul that's in it. On recent rewatches, I've become a little bit more detached from that, because I think this movie is not actually trying to make a version of that character that we all know. So yeah. that's fine. Like, that's absolutely fine.
0: Yeah, they're just kind of playing on the idea. Yeah, there. which I think... Because obviously, we, we should say for the benefit of people who are not familiar with the comics, like, in the comics, Raz al Ghul is very much unambiguously an immortal.
1: Yeah, he has the Lazarus yeah He has
0: yeah. Lazarus like, pits, yeah. yeah. And when he goes into Lazarus Pits, he loses more and more of his sanity. Is
1: the and of one of my favourite aspects of the character, which is not in this movie, but is in, like, other adaptations, is that uh, he is just as intelligent as Bruce Wayne, and he knows that Bruce yeah. Wayne is Batman, but his big thing is he will never reveal that Bruce Wayne is Batman because he respects Batman too much. And I'm like, yeah. that's a great I think you, see a, you see
0: a bit of that in this movie. Like, I kind of... I think the, the element of Raz that they get right in this movie is the element of him being this, like... Because obviously in the comics, Bruce shacks up with Talia and they have a kid. Well, well no, so no, 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 the, no, no, no,
1: no, no. In the comics, let's face it,
0: Talia... Yeah, all right. Talia, yeah, okay. Ta- Talia, ta- Talia, meet, Talia, Talia, me too's Bruce. She, she does, yeah. Um, yeah. She me too's Bruce hard and they make And they kid. have
1: Damian Wayne, um, who is a current character in the comics, may I point out. Yeah, he's like still Robin. Yeah,
0: um, uh, that's anyway. A thing. That 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 aside, but like, so so the the thing with Razal Good is he's always this kind of like your girlfriend's dad slash like the weird granddad of your kid. Like they have this kind of bizarre, almost familial relationship, and like I think that's what this movie does home in on in a way is that thing of like he's this surrogate. Like Henry Ducard is this like surrogate father figure to Bruce, um, but he's like this fucked up. Yeah, they do play on
1: that, that. a bit, and obviously that. Yeah.
0: And obviously that's contrasted with Alfred. Um, because when when you have the bit where Raz Ghul turns up and burns down Wayne Manor, leaving Bruce for dead, which I also like that bit where he's like, Oh, you burned down my house and left me for dead, consider us even. And then leaves. Yeah. And again, that kind of speaks like the respect for Bruce where he won't just kill yeah. him. He's like, I will repay the the wrong that you've done to me but like, Honourably, you know, yeah. I'm not which gonna, is fine, yeah, I'm that's not absolutely to shoot you in the head. Yeah um but Yeah, I like the bit where, because obviously Alfred saves him from that, and then Alfred repeats the line about that his that Bruce's actual father gave him early on. Where Bruce says, "Oh, I failed, you know, I fucked it all up." He doesn't say "fuck," it's twelve a. Eh? But um, yeah, and um, Alfred says, you know, repeats the line about why do we fall so we can pick ourselves back up again. Um, Which and it kind of uh, it's very subtly done, but it's that thing of like of the two surrogate fathers, Bruce has like Alfred is the true surrogate father. And would rather call the dark shadow of
1: um, Batman. And I hate to be that person, because you've just delivered that line beautifully in context of the movie, but as soon as you hear, like, what do we do when we fall down? We pick ourselves back up. All I think of is Zoolander. You're going to say... F- oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> what do we do when we fall off the horse, Derek? We get back on. I'm sorry, Maury, I'm not a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes. I mean, we've not really talked about Michael Caine in No, this, we but, should, because um, apparently we're going to do this entire episode in Michael Caine Impressions, which we did an hour ago, so...
0: But I think he's really fucking good. Solid. Obviously, so this is, solid. This is, this is the first time Nolan and Caine work together, and obviously they have a long-standing working relationship at this point. Well, indeed, like, uh, Michael Caine, I believe, is semi-retired now. Yeah. Anyway, we should um, wrap
1: up. We're approaching the hour 30 mark. No, we shouldn't.
0: Okay, I think let's um. Okay, let's quickly go through character rankings.
1: Then, okay, go because um, we have rambled all over this. Yeah, but in a good way. Um, so think, in a good way.
0: But let's start with um, Bateman himself, Bruce Wayne Bateman, Christian Bale. What
1: do we? Recommend? Do you know what? He's a solid nine for me, actually, because um, as much as yeah. this is hashtag not my Batman, um, I think Bale does a really good job of. Balancing both uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman to the point yeah. where we're very, very sympathetic to Bruce Wayne, even though his romance with Katie Holmes is like not believable because she's like a fucking wooden board. Like, do you remember Ed, Ed and Eddie? Yeah. Remember that show? Yes. She's plank. She's, she's plank. plank. Ed, Ed <laughs> yeah, she's plank. Yeah. She's fucking awful in this movie. Like, I don't mm. buy into her for one fucking second, and that's not a slight on Kate Holmes as a character. I guess she just couldn't deal with the script. I, I, I guess, like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, but also she's surrounded by Michael Caine and Christian Bale, so, like, how do you compete? Like, how do you even yeah, go into that?
0: You're kind of outclassed
1: from yeah, all sides. Uh, yeah, because like, she,
0: she's got scenes with, like, Gary Oldman and stuff. Like
1: yeah, that. I won't show Kate. you're fucking awful, love. You're fucking terrible in this film. Holmes slammed... She's terrible at this film. Uh, anyway, no, but I. <laughs> but we're not talking about Holmes yet. We're talking about
0: fucking um, Bale, Christian. No, he's Bale. like he's
1: like a nine out of ten for me. I think he really uh, balances both the characters, and I think in yeah. this film it's kind of weird because a lot of people talk about uh, Bale's Batman, and they do the, yes. the the husky voice and all this kind of stuff. Like,
0: yeah, which doesn't really. That's come more into in Dark Knight, okay. I think. He does it a bit here, but he does it when he's like interrogating yeah, and Yeah, but I
1: think criminals. he balances the two characters really well. He's he's
0: actually quite soft-spoken in yeah. this movie when when Yeah, because there's
1: a bit, like, before he reveals to Katie Holmes that he's Batman, that he's talking, I'm like, how do you not realise that's Bruce? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and, like, that's something that... Um, yeah, I'm going to kind of jump in, like, I, I'm going to give Bale 10 out of 10 for this movie. I feel that his performance in the later movies is weighed down by the crazy voice. And whoever's decision that was, whether that was nolan or bail. Um, I don't think it's like movie ruining, I just think because I think it's the issue with when we get into Dark Nugget and Dark Nugget Rises is Batman has like longer speeches yeah. in those movies yeah. and he's talking yeah. like this the whole time. So it's kind of like okay that mm, you know it's all right in short bursts like in this movie when he's interrogating Flass there's a great scene where he goes, you know he's like swear to me, you know that scene like that's quite cool. Um, but yeah, I like that he's more reserved as Batman in this movie. Um, I like that his Batman kind of in, like Batman in this movie. I, I, this is something we haven't talked about as much as we've been rambling. Um, but since we're on the character rankings, the bat suit in this movie is the best that it is in the. No
1: I would agree, much, I actually. Yeah, it's still got like the chin strap and yeah. stuff like that. It doesn't have cowl. like the
0: weird like like he has a weird little pod head <laughs> in the later movies. And obviously, the problem is like he because he can't turn his head. I think what works with Bale being such a physical actor is you don't really notice in this movie. Like, God love Michael Keaton, you can tell he can't turn his head in those movies. But I think with with Nolan being such a great kind of composer of images, but also Bale being like such a physical presence, they get around the fact that Batman has to completely turn his body in order to. Yeah, no, he
1: works in this movie. He really works as Batman, and like uh, the scarecrow induced hallucination stuff with Batman really works as well.
0: Like, when, when, when he doses um, Crane with the medicine and you see, like, Crane's POV and it's just, like, fucking gargoyle, <laughs> like, coming at him. Uh, that, that's a great scene, because obviously when he's, like, flying over the narrows when everyone's gassed and you can see, like, the crazy red eyes and stuff, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think all of Bale's, like, Bruce Wayne and bat mannerisms. are really work in this film, like, more than they do in the sequels, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, I, I think, I,
0: think I'd like, I'm, I would argue that Bruce, uh, that uh, Christian Bale is kind of, like, the best Bruce Wayne. Um, whether he's the best Batman or not isn't in, is in the story storyline.
1: No, the movie, I, right? I agree, actually, I think he plays Bruce Wayne perfectly, and even though this film jumps around tonally for the first half an hour or so, like, you kind of see Bruce Wayne at different points in his character arc, yeah. and yeah, that really works for me. In yeah, story.
0: like, in fairness, he gets the most Bruce Wayne time out of there. Yeah,
1: actually, 100%. He doesn't get a scene like in Batman Returns where he eats vicious war and doesn't understand that it's supposed to be served cold, which is dynamite by I point now. Dynamite, dramatic stuff, yeah. It's so but, good. It's but so um, good.
0: yeah, I think what I like about his Bruce Wayne in this movie in particular, because in the, in the Dark Knight, he's very much billionaire Bruce Wayne, like he's kind of put that personality together. What I like in this movie is that you kind of see him slowly building back up to billionaire Bruce Wayne, and like... You see him developing the three personas that he inhabits, where it's like, you know, Batman, billionaire Bruce Wayne, and then the real Bruce, you know, in the Batcave with Alfred. Um, I like that he's like, he seems slightly tapped when he's playing billionaire Bruce Wayne in this movie. And like, you could see that people would be like, yeah, this guy's kind of like unnerving. Like, he's got a weird energy to him, which I I really like in this film. Um, I, I like... His idea of being a kind of successful playboy billionaire is always having two birds on the go and jumping into the pool at restaurants.
1: And I told you about this earlier. This fits him fucking perfectly. This is my headcanon, okay? So, Christian Bale's Batman is Patrick Bateman, okay? Yes. He just is. Because you could cut in that bit where he's fucking those two hookers at the same time into this movie beautifully. Yeah, okay? I, I, I believe that... that I believe that Christian Bale's Batman watches himself in the mirror as he comes. I'm just saying.
0: I feel like the the the, the Nolan Batman kind of has like a no nut energy, but we'll get into that later. today. That's disgusting.
1: Um, why would you do that?
0: <laughs> um, the, <laughs> I don't think he's ever nutted until <laughs> rises, um, but um, that's why he's so aggro. No, but I, I mostly brought that up because I forgot to mention which I did mention on the previous record. I never keep saying that. Um, in that scene where he is told by the waiter that the pool is not for swimming in, the waiter who tells him that is none other than David Badella. Speaking of the Rocky Horror Show, who is the current best Frank and to now that Tim Curry is a
1: Outside of corpse. Tim Curry, yeah. yeah I, outside I did, of Tim Curry, he's the best one. I did see David Badella live when he did his run in Rocky Horror and he Yes, was
0: as did I and he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, you, phenomenal. you may also, if you're a musical theatre fan, you may also know him as the Devil from uh, Jerry Springer, the opera. He originated that role. And he was and, in Inside Number 9.
1: Yes, which I was about to say, if you're an Inside yes. Number 9 fan, he was Inside Number 9 which is yes. because Steve Pemberton was the narrator in Rocky Horror Show with yes. David Della, so that's the weird uh, musical links.
0: Fantastic actor, very interesting career. Um wild that he pops up in this movie
1: (laughs) deeply underrated actor as well yeah like such a fantastic performer like really i think it's
0: because this movie shot in britain right badella's american but he lives he lives in this country yeah so that's why you end up with all you know tom wilkinson and like killian murphy in this
1: movie right it's like yeah um killian murphy had done like 28 days later which obviously yeah and also um
0: commissioner Loeb in this movie uh gordon's boss uh, that guy was in the Fast Show, so he's a British. Yes, he as well. was. <laughs> so that that's just a weird little detail that I want to flag up. Um, anyway, so yeah, Christian Bale. I'm going to give him a ten out of ten for this one. I think as the trilogy goes on, that rating lowers ever so slightly.
1: He's a nine out of ten for me personally, but you yeah. know, whatever.
0: I'm just kind of giving like I want. It's almost
1: like an effort mark because you know. Yeah.
0: He, I think he gives it his all in all three movies, but I think this is his best performance. So I kind of want him to give to give him ten on at least one of these films. Um. Also, he's fucking jacked in this movie. Can we talk about that?
1: Oh yeah, like he's like huge Jacksman levels in this mm. film,
0: and he's not as jacked in the later movies. And I can tell you why that is, because he turned up to the audition for Batman, and Nolan was like, "I think this is the guy acting wise. Like he he's great." Unfortunately, he's you know, but he was very very skinny at that point because he just got doing done doing the machinist. Um, now, as you know, Christian Bale is a method actor, and in that movie he plays someone who's like wasting away pretty much from like not eating and um yeah so he, he lost the weight for real like that's not special effects or anything like when you see him in that movie and he's all like you know um emaciated that is that is bail um and that's the that's the shape he turned up to audition for batman in. and no one was like oh, i don't know like i mean you've got to put on enough weight in like two months to like play this
1: role and I, I uh, christian know. bell went yeah fine
0: yeah and then he turned up to the second round of auditions two jacked That's the level of maniac we're dealing with. He was so buff that Nolan was like, okay, you've got to lose muscle maths because you're not going to fit in the suit. (laughs) And that is the level of grade A maniac we're dealing with when it comes to Christian Bale. So that's that. In terms of character rankings then, let's move on to uh, I mean, should we just get Katie Holmes out of the way? Katie Holmes is Rachel
1: Dawes the first. It's like a two.
0: I'm giving her a (laughs) 1.5. useless get out of my face she is um, flatter
1: than the witch's tit in this movie she really is like she is so egregiously miscast
0: yeah i think it's unreal i like the idea of the character obviously we've kind of alluded to it. it's like it's an amalgamation of a few different love interests from the comics um but i
1: think it really to her well we haven't actually talked about that film yet even though we have previously yeah. is that maggie gyllenhaal really inhabits that character with so much more nuance and gravitas yeah. than what Katie Holmes ever does.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think the writing for the character's bad. I just, yeah, the performance doesn't work. I don't think she really gels with Christian Bale. Um,
1: no, there's and no I chemistry.
0: Also, I also think the inclusion of that character as kind of, as a love interest to Bruce, is almost this thing of, like, that's what comic book movies were at this point. There always had to be a love interest. You think of, like, Mary Jane and in the, in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And, uh, yeah, know.
1: but at least, like, Kirsten Dunst has a bit more to do in those films. Yeah, That's but it was very true. much, like, what I'm saying is, that, like, it was very much
0: a trope. Like, that was, like, yeah, You had to an unexpected thing. Had to do it, you yeah. um, so, that aside, Michael Caine is Alfred.
1: 20 out of 10. Like no,
0: 10,000 out of 10.
1: Like, especially when you consider that, like, uh, we talked about Michael Goth in the previous movies... Yes, and how great he was because like he's like yeah. the real like wallpaper of those original Batman movies. Yeah. Like he's in all of them, and he's and, very like, much he, playing
0: like Alfred from the comics, right? The
1: kind yeah, of but he of, yeah. he does also play it with this veneer of like he's completely involved in Bruce Wayne's shtick, but also he really like paternally cares about mm. Bruce Wayne. It's amazing that he did it over the course of four movies, whereas I think yeah. Michael Caine in this movie, within his introductory scene, encapsulates all of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I he think, plays Alfred perfectly.
0: He's great. I movie. I think like he he is kind of the glue of all three of these movies. Although I think
1: he's kind of done day by Risers, but we'll get there. Oh well, most people are, but you know. yeah. And
0: he's he's just so good in this. Like I love yeah, like you say the scene where he's comforting um, young Bruce and kind of saying, "Oh, it's not your fault. It was Joe Chill," and that's great. And you see, I like that it's not overplayed in the writing of this movie that you see how much of an influence Alfred is on Bruce. But it's obviously it kind of culminate, yeah, it culminates in that scene in the elevator where he says, like, you know, why Why do we fall, Master Bruce? You know, it's, it's encapsulated, like, that's kind of the end of their, like, character arc together in this movie. And I think that's something that I will say is a strength of this movie, is, like, it really doesn't oversell that. It just kind of goes, like, yeah, Alfred has always been the the, the voice of reason, The you know, the good... The, and you even have, after the big car chase in the middle of this movie, um... You even have Alfred kind of chastising Bruce, saying, oh, you know, it's a wonder no one got killed, like, what are you thinking of, sort of thing. Um, and you kind of... Yeah, I, yeah. I like that you have Alfred as this kind of voice of reason to Bruce. I mean, I think that's what Nolan uses Michael Caine for in all of the movies that they've done together. Like, he's always kind of, like, the guy who's, like, a real person, you know? Or like, everyone else are these, like, weird, yeah. obsessive <laughs> Nolan people, cold and emotional obsessives, right? Whereas, like, Michael Caine always, like, brings a level of reality to it yeah and I, th- I i i hand on heart would have to say like as much as i love michael goch i think this is like my alfred hashtag my alfred um yeah
1: no i'm i'm with you i'm with you absolutely i'm with you um so moving on character rankings um scarecrow? Character we've- yeah, yeah okay murphy. let's talk about
0: scarecrow kadeen murphy um, I, I'm going to have to give him five thousand out of ten. I think he's so entertaining. Yeah, movie.
1: like he should be the lead villain of this film. I think. Like, I think this film would be uh, yeah, so much I, more interesting. and I feel and so that much better to a degree. If he was the real villain,
0: I feel that to a degree. But I also think like what we get is great. I, I, like, I don't feel oh, yeah. like, every, like every. I don't feel yeah, like I don't have it enough every scarecrow. Time he's in it. I don't feel like yeah. I don't have enough scarecrow. But I'd always be happy for more. And I think like Nolan kind of recognizes that, and that's why he's in the other two as well like he kind of knows what he's got by the end of this movie you know um like the open, like the introductory batman scene in the dark knight is batman finally arresting Scarecrow. So i think like they realize the um what they have with that character i I want to shout out some some great acting from from killian murphy obviously one of the great scenes is like his second dust up with batman where batman doses him you know taste of your own medicine doctor
1: which is, and, uh, I think, he's actually like the catalyst for the final scene with the joke yeah, where he's where riding he, the horse. Yeah, he finally breaks. Yeah, <laughs> he like, becomes the true scarecrow in that. But scene, that I
0: that think. scene where he's like just staring wide eyed at Batman, like seeing the creature version in his mind, and then uh, you know he goes like, "Who do you work for?" And and uh, Scarecrow goes, oh, "I work for Ghul cool. and uh, Batman just goes, Ghul cool is dead." Killian <laughs> Murphy does this face where he's like. Oh, shit. And it's like some of the best acting in the movie where he's like, okay, not only is this guy, you know, he's fucking Batman. Like, this guy knows who Ra's al Ghul is and he thinks he killed him. And you see that, <laughs> like, you see that logic just, like, turning over in his brain. And, like, it's really good acting. And, like, that's, that's like, one of Murphy's greatest skills is, like, his facial acting. When you think of another Nolan movie, we you think of him in Dunkirk where you, you see him as the shell-shocked, soldier and he could do all that with just his posture in his face you know um and then obviously like yeah from that point on jonathan crane is like completely unhinged um i, I will say this one thing that i wish we'd seen more of with scarecrow is that final look where he's wearing like the open straight jacket yes and he's, yes. You know, and he's like yes. riding around on the horse like there is an action figure of that but i don't feel like we see that enough in the movie yeah, it's, it's, like, so it's
1: getting really into like, the meat and potatoes of what like, Scarecrow is in the comics. And yeah. it, it like just teases it a little bit. And I wish it could be more of that. I really do.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's great. It's great to see him in the other two movies. Yeah, 1,000 out of 10. We've, we've said it. Um, one character we've not really talked about, but we'll kind of give him his dues here, is Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Oh,
1: mate. One of the highlights of this film. Yeah. Like One of the highlights. Like Any scene between him and Christian Bale is like, yeah, you, you savour it. You say, right? I mean the
0: scene that was in all the trailers was when he shows him the, the Batmobile or the Tumbler as it is in this this universe um, you know where it's in the camo colours and they're like driving around uh, you know and uh, Bruce goes so come in black that was in all the trailers um, yeah I love Lucius Fox in this um, and we were saying this off mic um, we've not talked about the League of Uncles for a while on this part but I think but we, I think we both agree that Lucius Fox is a, is a, is a shoo-in for the League of Uncles 100% because he is down for whatever, <laughs> but he has a moral code, you know. Um, but yeah, I think like obviously Lucy's Fox is a character in the comics, but uh, that isn't really like capitalized on by any of the movies until the Nolan ones. And obviously, what Nolan kind of zoom zones in on with this character is like like the Q Bond element, where he's like he's the guy who comes up with the gadgets, you know. Which is kind of Fox's role in the comics, more so now because actually these movies are very influential on the comics. Um, but like in, in the comics, Lucius Fox was like the head of Wayne Enterprises, right? Like he just runs Wayne Enterprises. He knows Bruce Wayne's Batman as he does in this movie. But, um, but again, I like how that scene's handled where Bruce is kind of asking about this different equipment that he can use and kind of saying like, Hey, I, I, you know, maybe it's best if you don't mention to people like that. I've, that I'm using this. And, uh, you know, Fox has the speech about like, well, if you don't want to tell me what you're doing, that's fine. I won't have to lie if anyone asks, but like, don't think of me as an idiot. Like, i think that like, like entirely encapsulates the character yeah. he's like 100 yeah i know what you're doing i know you're fucking batman if you don't want to let me in on what you're doing fine but like you know know that i am see you bitch. Yeah. um but i also like that. uh yeah he's kind of um i think morgan freeman plays this role really well where you know he's like in all these movies <clears> when they have the kind of q scene where he's showing them the new gadgets and everything like which happens once a movie um, I, I like that Morgan Freeman kind of has that, like, dry delivery, but he also kind of plays that element of, like, he's really keen to show off the kit, you know, um, which kind of culminates in The Dark Knight Rises where... Uh, we'll get we'll get to this, but the, where he's, like, saying... He has a line at the end of one scene where he goes, uh, usually our meetings end with you making an unusual request. And Bruce is like, well, I haven't got anything to ask you for this time. And he's like, well, let me show you anyway. You
1: know? <laughs> and you kind of
0: see that... Um, Starting in this movie, where he's like, uh, you know, he's keen to show off the kit, the gear, you know, and I think that's also yeah. like, that is something that draws Nolan to Batman, right? Is the tech element? He like, because he, obviously he likes bonds, he likes gadgets, you know, um, so you can really see that this these scenes are like a lot of fun for Nolan to direct.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah,
0: Lucy's Sparks, good. Uh, let's go, Gary Oldman as Sergeant then Lieutenant Gordon.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't really talked about him as much, but like he's just solid in this movie, like he is in most films. Yeah. Like he's just solid, and he doesn't get a massive amount to do. I think he just kind of no. quips at Batman, and it's kind you know, of like, setting up, up his character, out. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to say about him, but like it's Gary Oldman, so like he just gives one hundred and ten percent.
0: Yeah, I think he's better utilized in The Dark Nugget. Um, yes, but in this movie, yeah, you see him kind of like. Again, like how you see Batman kind of building up to being Batman, you see well, you literally see Sergeant Gordon become Lieutenant Gordon, and obviously we know he will like he will go on to become Commissioner Gordon. And um, what I like about him in this film is like the uneasiness with Batman. You know, he kind of feels like he's
1: probably a good guy, but you know, he can't really be sure. Yeah, yeah, Which I think I, I really uh, like about this film,
0: and I think like, Oldman, as much as we kind of earlier kind of flagged up that Oldman can be a bit of a ham, I think what's kind of interesting about him as gordon is like he does mostly play it pretty restrained um you know, he has, he has quips, his moments he has his moments you know he leans yeah. into a quip uh I, you know the bit that stands out for me in this movie is when uh, uh gordon goes oh i've not got my car and batman's like i brought mine and gordon's like your car and then he sees like the the batmobile tear off and he goes, I gotta give me one of those! you know, Yeah, like,
1: which is like, hammy as shit. Yeah, like, he's leaning so into that bad. shit. And
0: yes, it's a, it's a trailer line, like, we know. But, like... um, Yeah, but, like, I generally I like him. I think he's very much playing the Gordon from year one in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. The, the kind of... The good cop who's kind of, like, crushed by the system around him. Uh, he has a great line early on where he said, you know, uh, I'm not a rat and in a city this bent. Who'd, who would there be to rat to? Um... Yeah, I, I like Oldman. Go I'm gonna give him a solid nine out of ten on this
1: one. He's a solid nine, absolutely. I think the only other character we really haven't talked about well we have talked about, so what we're saying is a uh, Rachel Ghoul. Like, so. Yeah,
0: and I know this is gonna be the contentious one. I'm just gonna slap we've talked to death about him, so I'm just gonna slap an eight on
1: Rachel. Uh he's like a a five point five for me personally. Yeah, that's not my racial Ghoul. Like, you know. I
0: think yeah, his function in this movie, I'm gonna give him an eight. Um we'll maybe discuss how he comes back in later movies. Yeah,
1: we will, we together. will. So um um, yeah, so... Wrap up on Batman Bateman Begins. Yeah,
0: I think we've kind of covered all the major cast. There's nobody else yeah. we really need to talk about. Oh, Victor yeah. Zaz, he's in this movie.
1: Who's in it for like two minutes. Yeah, I know, but what, it's nice. He's in, he's just in it's there. nice that he's in it, but I wish we had more of him, you know.
0: I guess one, one more thing that I wanted to kind of say about this movie, I guess if we're talking about the, the weird tone of it and like maybe what kind of um, you know, draws me to it. I do like how crazy horror based the ending of this like the final act of this movie is like you know when the 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 fear toxin kind of gets released into the narrows how much it just becomes a fucking zombie
1: movie? It becomes like, like a massive horror film. Yeah, it's wild,
0: right? Like there's all these, you know, because you see these Gotham citizens who have been driven mad, like looming out of the fucking shit. And actually, this bit always—I always forget this is in the movie. I forgot it was in it last night when I watched it. There's a bit where you can see one guy biting another guy's face.
1: You can—he's itch- eating his face. The I gore saw that is when I the, the gore
0: day. is yeah. contained by the mist, but like. Yeah, and like obviously every time anyone sees Batman, his like eyes are glowing, and there's like red light coming out of his mouth and shit, and like it's really cool. Um, something else I just wanted to flag up that I don't think we really mentioned is like, or we kind of touched on but got sidetracked when we talk about Christian Bale as Batman is like the batsuit in this. I really like it's possibly my favourite cinematic batsuit, partially just because of the way it's shot. Like I think Nolan really is in love with the cape in this movie. Yeah, and we get a lot of good uh, shots of like. Batman kind of crouched with the cape like shrouded around him and he really looks and like they bat. make
1: a point of it being like uh, reacting to electric currents and yeah. stuff so they do which a lot is... of good stuff with like the shape and the form yeah, of the bat yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's really cool uh,
0: which is actually something actually something we should flag up because we kind of touched on the influence of this movie on the comics so this is kind of the popularization of Batman gliding with his cape which is something you might not realize even if you are a big fan of the comics it's like you know, some nerd is going to go, like, actually, in Sim again in the 1960s. Yeah, but movie. fuck that like, guy. There are previous iterations of this, but generally speaking, in the Batman comics, when he glides, he has an external glider that he uses. And this yeah, is the back glider, see. yeah. Yeah, and this is something that you see in the um, Burton movies and the Schumacher movies. There's, like, extra gear that he uses to glide. This is the first time, really, in, in, cinematically anyway, where they just went, well, fuck it, what if the cape glide- was a glider? And, you know, okay, the thing about, like, you run an electric current through it and it stiffens is is twaddle. But I think it's fine because the imagery of Batman gliding is so cool in all three of these movies. And, like, it's one of those Nolan things where it's, like, it's such a no-brainer that it's crazy that in the comics they were like, oh, maybe you should have a glider. Like, it's crazy that this wasn't just the way Batman always flies, right? um, And, obviously, you've talked about the influence of uh, this on the Arkham games, like...
1: That's Which a key is, element. Yeah, you can't key not of the games, separate
0: yeah. them. Yeah, I mean it's a key element of the Arkham games that you glide everywhere on your cape. But also, like that element of like the intimidation of Batman and the fear is obviously a big um, proponent of this movie and a big element of the um, the Arkham games. Um, yeah, I, I think in general, like the iconography of Batman in this movie is really cool, and I think it's something that Nolan slightly loses in the later movies. It's just that thing of like just shooting Batman as if he's this weird bat creature. Like, one of, the, one of the scenes that always sticks in my mind from this movie is where he, um, you know, the scene where he reveals to Rachel that he's Batman, that kind of, um, in a sort of uh, slightly, um, what's the word I'm looking for, esoteric way. And then he, like, leaps down from the roof up, glides along to find Raz, and then just, like, gathers his cape around him, and he looks like a bat with its yep, wings it's filled Yeah, it's so up. good. It's just, like, that's such a quintessentially Batman image. There's loads of great shots of him kind of, like, stood on rooftops observing Gotham, either with his cape kind of billowing behind him or with it kind of draped down around him, with like, the wings. Um, yeah, and I just think, like, that, you know, if you want to talk about, like, why this movie resonates with me as a Batman movie, like, I think that is the element, really. Like Because you the iconography about the plot, is yeah. so
1: defined. Yeah,
0: it's so strong, and, like, I think there's so many elements of this movie that kind of tie into... The Batman lore in an interesting way, like Arkham Asylum plays like a a small but pivotal role. Um, I love the way Gotham looks in this movie. Uh, we've kind of touched on that already. Um, yeah, this thing like this movie to me, um, and this uh, in the edit, I will have added in a um, dedication to Kevin Conroy at the start of this before the theme. But this movie, to me, really feels like a live-action adaptation of Batman the Animated Series.
1: Yeah, I would. Agree, I definitely agree to a certain point. Like, I think of the three Nolan movies, this is the most Batman of the Batman movies and it's a weird thing to kind of say, because obviously Batman is open to so many different interpretations and ideas and iterations and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but like this one feels the most authentically Batman of the yeah. Nolan movies. And it's a shame that it gets away from that in the sequels, which obviously we will talk about. Well,
0: I think this is the movie where he had a take on Batman, where he was like, Yeah. This is yeah. how we're going to reinvigorate the franchise, you know. And then Dark Knight is kind of like, Well, how do I expand on my ideas from Begins?
1: And how and do then... you then tie it in with this other character? Yeah. And, and... and then Rises is, I don't want to make this movie, but they're forcing me to. Yeah, it's, it's, Christopher, we'll it's Christopher Nolan's Halloween 2, but we'll get into that.
0: We will get into that. So, um, <laughs> I think we've said a lot about Batman Begins. Um, we've obviously. Uh, well, one thing to flag up, actually, is um, the score for this movie before we
1: leave. Great score.
0: Uh, obviously, Hans Zimmer in collaboration with James Newton Howard. Um, yeah, it's just really great. I mean, obviously, Hans Zimmer goes on to be um, a Nolan collaborator for a long time, actually. Um, but I think this movie kind of has a really interesting um, disparity between the two composers where, like, you have the kind of bombast of Zimmer, but then you have the more. Um, obviously, James, James Newton Howard, I don't know if you're particularly familiar with his work, but, like.
1: No, not massively.
0: He he's kind of big around this time, um, especially. Like, he did the Unbreakable soundtrack. I think he did a few of the M. Night Shyamalan movies. But I think what the kind of. Uh, I-, I like the kind of. Um, combination of zimmer's kind of bombast with newton howard's more kind of like psychological thriller elements yeah i definitely
1: see that in the film absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. like that's something that i think um yeah i mean that's kind of what this movie is right like there's the kind of combination of the bombast of the like very comic booky raz al ghul League of shadows plot and then the more kind of intimate psychological horror with like batman being the symbol of fear and then like the scarecrow being like a Reflection of that,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I think that kind of works on that level. So, all that to say, that was Batman Begins, um, a shorter episode by our standards. And
1: <laughs> it is uh, going by our rating system. It's batastic. It is batastic.
0: What rating system we're we going to use for this? Because normally on the versus episodes we do the good, goodbye, hate it, shit, by shit, I like it, shit.
1: Bat, batastic, bat <laughs> shit. Bat abortion. <laughs> um,
0: in case people are writing a Kino Inferno wiki, this is the first time <laughs> that Mark has done a joke rating system for a Versus episode. Normally it's me doing that kind of twaddle. Um, I mean, it's been a while for us, so I kind of want to do Kino or Inferno on this. Let's, let's, yeah, do okay, we, let's do it. Okay. it it's Kino. Kino,
1: isn't it? It has to be.
0: I think it's going straight in the Kino
1: bin. It is. It's on the top shelf. We're going <laughs> to wrap it in plastic so nothing touches it. Yes. It's going to Kino. It's going to Kino. It's no absolute Kino. Absolute Kino.
0: Okay, so with that, um, I've been
1: Aiden, and I've been Mark,
0: and I've been the guy who sells falafel, flash! Come on, (laughs) I got kids to feed. Wait, don't like falafel?